0: Hey there, boys and ghouls, welcome to this week's episode of Hollow Weekly, and boy do we got a good one for you this week. George and I had the chance to sit down with Aaron B. Kuntz of Scare Package. Yes, that Scare Package, the one that knocked your socks off during the last drive-in. We thought we gotta talk to this guy. So we did. Uh, but we talked behind the scenes of Scare Package and his upcoming film, The Pale Door, which comes out August 21st. So go ahead and tell, you know, hey Siri, set a reminder for August 21st for The Pale Door. I was gonna see if mine did. She didn't, but I'll set the reminder, and you should too. Um, also, make sure to check out the show notes. We have a ton of cool links in there. Uh, Scare Package merch, and then Aaron also gave us the names of all of his good friends that have these amazing short horror stuff. So if if you if you're like me and you need more short horror and Scare Package gave you that 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 little boost of energy, and you need a little bit more, check out the show notes. You will not be disappointed. Enjoy the interview.
1: I, I am so excited to talk about Scare Package for a minute. This, so, first of all, uh, let me put my cards on the table because I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover this from a weird angle a little bit, right? I I am I was so rooting for Mike to be a new horror icon, right? I know Chad was breakout and all that stuff, like whatever, but I was so invested in Mike for some reason. I don't know why that character was whatever, but it was kind of amazing to me because he like when you have that concept of a horror anthology and it's comedic and it felt like it was comedic all the way through, which I'm not sure I've seen anywhere else. Right. But like, that was, it was, it was amazing to watch that, but to get that concept to work, you got to crack it open and come out the other side of it. And he was totally doing that as a character, which was amazing.
2: Oh, that's so, I love that you said that so much. His name is John Michael Simpson. Mm -hmm. He's just an absolutely wonderful person. Uh, He actually hadn't even seen the movie until the night that it premiered on the last drive-in. Okay. Um, But so what's interesting? So he's a like comedic guy. Uh, had done some like I don't know if he did stand up, but he did a little um, you know improv work in Austin. And Emily Higgins, who directed that segment, called open. Uh, you know, originally I was like, when I read her segment, I was like, hey, you know who would be great? And I suggested uh, Sam from the Wraparound, uh, Byron mm-hmm. Brown. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, he could be really funny as this. And she's like, actually, I have this perfect guy. And then when I saw his clips, I was like, oh, I I see this. And I didn't I didn't know John Michael before that. And then when she wrote that segment, it wasn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't ask her to write a cold open. It just, she wrote something about cold opens. I was like, well, then that has to be our cold open.
3: You know, like (laughs) that makes perfect sense. Right.
2: And and then I fell in love with him. I fell in love with Mike Myers character. Like I fell in love with John Michael. He's so affable and just so likable. And there was so much about him. So, so then we rewrote, we wrote him in to more stuff. So he right. was not intended to kind of come full circle the way that he did. Oh, I cool. loved the way that he did that. And he's like, I just want to come back at the end and rescue the good guys, you know, yeah. and sit, and like and all this. And I'm like, well then he has to do that.
1: What felt incredible to me, like, so I'm trying to imagine it being in the shoes of someone who's trying to coordinate. Cause I want to ask you about the architecture of this because how you did the overlapping stories and all that stuff is just amazing. But you know, to, to, to juggle all these segments and all of these overlapping where they kind of stand alone but also touch each other and all that stuff. And to have the movie end on someone who just comes in, shows up on screen and goes, I'm going to do my job must be so relaxing to someone who, like you, who's trying to juggle all this stuff. Like what's better than a character that just does their job <laughs> and gets that's out. That's so funny. Her,
2: right? like, no, that's so funny. I didn't even think of it that way, but it's kind of like a funny way of, I mean, cause orig- it wasn't even the original ending. The original ending was, it, and actually on the Blu-ray on October 20th, uh, nice. is uh you know, there's the original ending will exist. And we even labeled it. Like I told them we're making, sorry, I'm on the side here, but uh, I'm, I'm king of tangents. So that's shit's going to happen. That's fine, um, <laughs> please. But, but like when we were doing the Blu-ray stuff, I'm like, okay, we'll have these bonus features. And it's like, I can't just put normal bonus features on this movie. They have to be self-referential. So our the tag is, it's like original, not as good ending.
3: You know, that's <laughs> not as good <laughs> um, That's so On good. the
2: Blu-ray. And then the co- there's a commentary track and it's like, I'm probably gonna fuck this up, but it's uh, creators commenting on the film that comments on other films with better commentary tracks. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And like I pitched it to them, they're like, "Well, we don't know how we're gonna fit that." I'm like, "Let's just make it fit. We gotta make it." Fit. No, <laughs>
1: yeah, no. Sorry,
2: I'm an auteur. This is important. Yep. You know, and uh, no, they were they were super cool about it. Oh, they you
1: absolutely it. have to, like, because there's so many layers that happen in the movie. Where like, there's that moment where where it's Chad, where he's like, "You're not ready for primetime, kid. People talking about a movie in a movie in a movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was not... my that was me talking to the audience, saying like, "Here's the deal: if you don't like meta, get right. the fuck out, right? <laughs> get out <laughs> right. now, because we're just gonna spray you with this shit." I love and that you're chasing people out
1: at the beginning. Gonna, like, I mean, get, well, I
2: don't hopefully want that, but right, I, but keep the I, right. I, I know look I'm a diehard horror fan I know plenty who have issues with horror comedy as a whole and I know some who just do not like meta right Mm -hmm. so it's like okay if this is your thing if that's not your thing it's probably not going to be your movie and that's okay I got you to start playing it that's what kind of matters for the most part maybe rent it. You know, once it comes to VOD, But, um, you know, Shutter likes the plays. They like to start in the plays. So like, we got to start. But then after that, you know, it's like kind of a hint. That's like, eh, this might not be for you then.
0: Well, I love, I love how the meta even like reaches outside the film. Like I was listening to the soundtrack. Yeah. Even the track list, I was going through it. I was like, hey, wait a minute. The final kill, the final, final kill, the final, final kill. And I was like, oh, this is great. That's even so the soundtrack good. still pulls
1: you in. That's so good.
2: Well, the original title of the movie was Trups. So so what? So where this all kind of came from is like, so Cameron Burns is my co-writer. I have a company, Paper Street Pictures, and we make movies. And we had made a first film that was like a really difficult process. It didn't like go the way we wanted. The movie is not my version of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like what's okay. out there is like some weird cut that we did that we thought was only for TV and airlines. And oh, it's wow. like the cut that's out to the world. And so that was really frustrating. And we were like, let's just get back to what we love. And we had toured and played a bunch of festivals with a bunch of people. and. And just found all these folks that we loved and some that we kind of knew, but wanted to get to know better and wanted excuses to work with. So Cameron was like an anthology, like that's the way to do it. You know, mm-hmm. we could work with all these people. We could also spread out the money, like pay for it over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, as we were going to raise it independently. So I was like, okay, there's something to that. But like, I didn't want to do an anthology because there just were too many great ones already. I thought like VHS 2 and Southbound. And I knew that Shutter was doing the new creep show. And I'm like, why the fuck are we competing with that? Like, that's not, that isn't, <laughs> like, we can't, we don't have the budget. We don't have the scope, you know, like I'm not that good. Um, so how do we do that? And so, but he kept pushing it because that's what Cameron does. And that weekend, I was like, fine, uh, I'll, I'll watch all these, these anthologies. I'm a little OCD and I made this like spreadsheet of, you know, kind of highs and lows, pros and cons of every anthology. And I mean, I watch fucking everything. Um, There are so many anthologies on Amazon Prime, by the way. And (laughs) what's crazy too, the same shorts appear in like seven different anthologies.
0: That's
2: no way. So so that was the first thing I was like, well, number one, 100% everything's unique. We're not gonna just license films. Again, I know some folks who have done that great folks. Sure. Not for me. That's not right. for me. I wanted right. something 100% original. And then, and then on top of that, there was going to be, I knew that we needed a hook, something that was different. Mm-hmm. I was like, we can't just, you know, our scope is not going to be able to be as large. So what I realized is I love the comedies. So when you said you hadn't really seen a comedy one, that's because they don't exist. Nice. There is not a horror comedy anthology. That is all horror. Or all, that's comedy. all the way Excuse through. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All the way through. There's some that like, you know Show has that vibe Creep Show 2 gets a little more of that vibe mm-hmm. yeah Body
1: um, Bags has some fun moments a little
2: bit Tales right. of Halloween but what happens is you watch this like really a really funny great segment yeah. and then you go to this wraparound that's like I don't really know what's happening just get me to the next segment just like skip that get me to the next segment yeah. then you get to the next segment and it's this really awesome, you know, horror thing. But it's like, but wait a second. These, I'm like kind of off kilter and yep. I'm not vibing with this the right way. And at least for me, like that yep. happened. Mm-hmm. And, um, and look, like ABC's of Death, I think, is one of the best examples of that. And I'm not, I don't want to speak ill about any movie. I, sure. I love ABC's Death. I'm, I'm right. fans of the filmmakers and what they've done. Um, but I just felt like tonally had some of those ups and downs that made it a little harder. Where yep. like if I rewatch it, I just kind of, I know which ones to skip to. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't want that. I wanted something that kind of felt, and now look, comedy has different angles. Like it's not, there's right. over the top, there's subtle, there's dark humor, there's all this. But I was like, look, if it's all horror comedy, that's unique. I haven't seen it. And then I said, I, what I like is let's do tropes. So every segment is making fun of a different horror trope. Right. And I was like, that's fun. Like that's a fun idea. Yep. But then it also had to be you know if you're gonna we're gonna make fun of horror we also have to kind of bear hug it at the same time like it can't be punching down um no if you're a scary movie fan no offense but like that i feel like punches down at horror a lot yep. and it's like we're above horror but we'll write this kind of like horror thing sure. for you yeah. to like laugh at yeah and even though i laugh at scary movie don't get me wrong there's plenty that i laugh at like scary movie three i think in particular is kind of really funny right um but it's, it's just was, it, it just didn't come from this place of like love. Cause like, I, I mean, I got poor tattoos. I mean, like, wow, this is my world. This yep. is all I, I'm the kid who argued about who would win in fights between Jason and Freddie and all this stuff. And yep. I was kind of Sam and rad Chad in a way, like in some aspects, I worked in video stores, like this was my life. Yep. So if I'm doing it, I'm doing it from a place of love. Cause it's what I love. Yep. So put all that together and I was like, okay, you know, tropes, horror comedy. And then and then I then the big realization was I wanted the wraparound to be unique. I wanted the wraparound to stand alone on its own story. Yep. I wanted us to go in and out of the segments in different ways. Right. Like I didn't want the easy answer was every like every time I read a review and they're like, oh, and the segments are just putting in a new tape. I'm like, no, they're not. Some <laughs> no. like a couple are, but I no, deliberately yeah. was like the first segment just opens. Like yep. there's, no, there's no opening credits, there's no anything. It's just, you know, the sound jump scare kind of sound. Yep. And then it's like the, you know, last drive-in looking pole, you know, that's yep. there. And that's it, and you're off and running. And then you come out of that segment and he's reading a script, then another segment we're pantomiming in and out of the segment, you know? Mm-hmm. And then there's like one that's like a tape or, you know, looking at a tape or some other stuff, but like it-, it No, I love like, how you
1: come out of the goo segment. I love oh, splashing yeah, yeah. himself with the. Eye. I mean, because because it it kind of retroactively gives you a flavor of what you just watched. Because what you realized is you were watching this amazing spec special effect gore fest, but it was a story. It was a campfire story being related in a video store by a guy like doing that, and that's just such a magic touch. Like, yeah, it's so
2: funny to, to picture what you know, Sam and Han were doing, if you try to imagine the whole segment totally, of totally. what they were doing, yeah, like, because you that's, what's, that's what makes it even funnier to me. Yep. And, uh, but yeah, that was actually the last thing we ever shot was that, uh, well, except for the new ending, but that was the last thing we ever shot. And right. it was like a, like a weirdly emotional moment, but it was like such a silly thing. Sure. And after I'm like, oh my God, like we're finishing this up now, you know, but uh, I love that. Like that was fun. It's weird you say that because
1: there was like a weird emotion flying around in that segment. And I was trying to figure out the tropes like i i know the movie's playing with tropes but then it was it would take me by surprise where the tropes showed up right so like yeah. i was i was i would there was this moment where I realized I felt like I was getting a Cronenberg, the fly trope when the goo guy was like, my eyes are going to fall out. But he was also really sympathetic. So he's talking like, "Yeah, you know, put me back together. I don't want to come back incomplete. But it's in the middle of the woods. I've never seen like the fly trope in broad daylight. <laughs> They're always in a lab or, a, you, know, a, you know, a claustrophobic area.
2: Well, I mean, well, first off, credit to Chris McEnroy. Chris McEnroy is an absolute genius. That's who wrote and directed that segment. Uh, when we were talking, I mean, one of the themes that we had from the beginning, uh, kind of coming back from that, that like you know OCD weekend I had. Mm-hmm. One of the other rules that I had was, um, well, like I was saying, that the wraparound has to be cohesive. It stand on its own. So if even if you don't watch the other segments, there's one cohesive story that has a beginning, a middle, and end. Yep. So that had to happen. And you wanted, I wanted you to care. Uh, after you left a segment, you could watch this great segment, and then you're like, oh, oh, I'm fun. It's fun to be back here again for a minute. And then maybe, maybe you don't even want to leave. Like, right. oh, no, I want to keep going. But that's the idea is to, like, do these teasers and get you there. But then the other big piece was it was horror with heart. Like, we just wanted this to have heart, you know? It wasn't really meant to be scary. It was just meant to be fun right. and, like I said, come from this good place. And I think Emily Emily, and Chris, well, they, everybody nailed it. But, like, the first two segments in particular, I think, just really have that because you can see how much, um, you know, there's a lot of heart in, like, John Michaels' character, like we were talking about, yep. you know, and Mike Myers. But then, yeah, I mean, Chris you know, when he, when he first was pitching me, he's like, well, why don't we just do something that's just like in the woods and like every fucking thing that happens in a horror movie <laughs> in the woods. And like, we kept talking. I'm like, dude, just throw more, throw more, throw more, yep. you know? And I remember he's made some of the best horror shorts ever, wow. ever. Uh, horror comedy stuff. There's one called Bad Guy Number no. 2. Highly recommend you look it up. It's on Vimeo. It's, it's the same characters, same people. You're going to love it. You're going to go absolutely nuts definitely for this
3: short.
2: Um, there's another called uh, Death Metal and Sorry About... Or no, uh, I Summon the Demon. And they're just so... I mean, he's the best horror comedy short filmmaker in the world. Like he just wow. Is. I and, so uh, do
1: that.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely do. Everybody should watch them. Chris McEnroy is amazing. And when he was pitching it, and I'm like, okay, I, I wear like, the vintage Chris McEnroy that I love from these shorts. And then there was the line where he's like, I don't know, his blood's getting in my blood and like mm-hmm. whatever. And like, right then I was talking with Chris Phipps, another producer, and we were like, this is a Chris fucking McElroy movie. Like right now, like we felt it, we felt it. Totally. Cause the script reads like so crazy. It was just like, and other people were like, I don't even know what's happening. Like what, <laughs> where did this guy come from? And I'm like, you just gotta trust Chris McElroy. Like he's right. got this, you know? And I mean, they dug a hole, put Kirk in the ground, the, the lead actor in the actual ground,
1: oh, wow. you know, to do
2: this. I mean, it's just—it was absurd. Like what was pulled off to make that happen? Yeah, that's and it
1: was so like there were these random details. All of a sudden, silver handcuffs or something was like <laughs> arresting transformations. I'm, like, what is happening? It was well. It's amazing. a little
2: bit. I mean, I think he's talked about it a little bit, but I mean, it was the idea was kind of a man that may or may not be turning into a werewolf, right? And and if you caught somebody midstream of that, whatever you want to call it, yep. um, <clears throat> then what would that look like and be like? You know, right. When so. it, it was almost like a
1: visual vis, visual pun, because it was like it I, it was like arresting the transformation, but you <laughs> were using cuffs to do it. I'm like <laughs> Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and then and then like why does he have those handcuffs? And then like right. who is he? And then like and just, <laughs> just goes so fucking
1: right. <laughs> and then flashy. when the other person melts and then they're like, <laughs> Okay, this is my size. <laughs> <I don't know.
2: laughs> so That's amazing.
1: That's just so vintage McEnroe humor. But like, and that so, is the what you're saying, the Horror with the heart thing. That's why I was so into sort of the arc of what happened with Mike Myers. First of all, I love that on this podcast episode, you said the sentence, Mike Myers has heart. That's, i just, that's an all timer. But yeah. so, so, but the watching him slowly turn into the thing where he has to put on the mask, the shield, the blood, and then pick up the knife. And he's like becoming this villain looking icon, whatever, but it, it sparked this weird thing in me while I was watching it. I was, I was trying to puzzle through, like what who would be the most annoying horror villain to be killed by right i feel like i would be annoyed if i would kill if i was killed by like chucky right you're taken out by a doll and it's like whatever so yeah that's man. annoying yeah <laughs> right? it's it just annoying to <laughs> lose but then watching mike accidentally mr bean everybody to death i'm like this is even worse if you're getting killed by someone just accidentally killing everybody right <laughs> like this is messed up but then i was like wait a minute. If when when Jason Voorhees kills you, like what are you doing for him? You're just scratching an itch. Like he needs to kill for revenge, and you're just, whatever. But when Mike Myers kills you. You're helping along to do his job on his arc. It's like a donation of your life to this guy's journey. So I'm like, maybe it's great to be killed by. This. You're part
0: of something, but yeah. Maybe it's not yeah. annoying. Maybe it's like, I'm like, part
1: of something bigger. I have right, a purpose. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. and what other horror icons are you? Is that uh, you know part you,
2: of your journey, man?
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. We're, not We're all words. on that. We're all on some path to be killed by our
1: horror icons. <laughs> yes, <Whatever> that is. <laughs> Covid, it's Trump, it's whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're getting plenty of help for that duration. And yeah. the bad end. That's yeah. I.
2: Lo- I will say I, one of my favorite parts of that in, in Emily's segment is when John Michael, what do you like, slices her? By the way, that's that was my old house where we filmed that. Oh, and cool. um, when the when the when the stab goes in uh, her chest and they pull it out, mm-hmm. and we did the reverse and we're showing him put the mask on and spray his mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Phipps, who's uh, kind of like kind of like in charge of a lot of the makeup stuff for the film is one of the producers. He uh, he was like holding the spray, and Eric Zapata was like the main makeup dude on the on the thing. He was like pumping it up, and I was like, just pump it, just pump it you know, <laughs> as far as we can go. And then I guess I went too far, and like he the spray had too much like, kickback, and it just goes, and it sprays and just sprays all my ceiling, everything <laughs> like and it's like 30 foot ceilings I and mean, this is like a huge open area oh, no. and I was like holy shit but I didn't care I was like I have just did we get the shot you know did right. we get the shot right. that's what mattered right. luckily I was the producer and like finally hit. so we'll figure it out but um but I love John Michael's turn when he like she slips
1: and like falls and he's like
2: are you okay? You know, like <laughs> I honestly,
1: I wrote a note down that it was my favorite de- line delivery in twenty twenty horror. It was just oh, wow. his. It literally his his in the comedy realm, right? Like because he was literally. Like, oh no, you okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. It was just the perfect delivery of that line. It was amazing. it's so good? We yeah. had also done a, uh, a I can't remember a podcast episode or a segment on um, best character introductions in horror. Like how you meet heroes hmm. and villains, right? Oh, that's great. And and meeting Han was uh, like that. The way he comes up, I don't know what to say. But the way he just, first of all, he's a jump scare, right? And second yeah. of all, he's like, I'm here to apply for the job, yes. <laughs> or
0: whatever.
1: And then that byplay between him and Chad. That introduction of a character is just, is just I a plus. I love key related
0: because I was sort of like that, trying to get a job at a GameStop when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I would just show up and be like, I don't know a lot about video games, man. <laughs> <laughs> they're like no.
2: <laughs> well, one not. of the rules we had of the wraparound was like, well, the entire wraparound has to just be full of jump scares. So it's like really stupid, silly jump scares because again, everything is like acknowledging what's going on in horror and having fun with it. Right. So like, let's just do stupid jump scares like everywhere. You right. Know? I mean, I remember we were like filming, and I was like, oh shit, we haven't thrown a cat at anybody. Yeah. Like, what are we going to do? We have to throw a cat. I Cameron and the other team's like, Aaron, no, we have everything in this movie. We don't have to throw a goddamn cat. I'm like, no, I'm now set on it. We have yep. to throw a cat. I want to throw a cat at Joe Bob Briggs. We got to do it. We've got to figure out a way to do this. And uh, so we're like looking and, you know, and like stupidly, we're like, well, you know, cats land on their legs. You can just throw an actual cat, you know. That could <laughs> it. And then and then like, somebody, like a wiser person was like, Aaron, we're not throwing an actual cat. And I'm like, okay, fine. Crush my dreams. That's fine. Right, right, I get it. Right. But then we found a cat this like really creepy lifelike puppet cat that's used for like home, uh, these like uh, shelters and stuff for people that are, like therapy cats, but they can't have cats
3: because they're allergic oh, wow. to them.
2: And they're like, perfect. They make these little noises and all this stuff. They're like a hundred bucks, but they look perfect. Oh, wow. And uh, so I found that cat. And then I was like, okay, well, this looks great. So we can throw this and it'll go through and nobody will notice. But then we had to get somebody with a real cat that looked like that cat to like walk across. Right. And uh, so we found actually, and actually the person's cat who does that is the woman, uh, surname says Sydney Huddleston, the, w- the girl who gets stabbed in the first segment. That's her cat. That's oh, wow. later. And, uh, but we could not get the damn cat to like cross through. (laughs) And then we're filming in this like abandoned old hospital that's like about to be torn down. And we're in like the basement area and the cat's just like running around. And then, and, and we're like, oh my God, like, where's the cat going? And how do we get the cat? And like, we could just, I just need to, I'm like, look, I just need to see it go like that. That's it. One time, one time, please. Like I have learned, especially after the pale door, like I have learned that I cannot direct animals. Like that's where my <laughs> fault is. They don't respond to me. It's not going to happen. And then I remember Cameron just looking at me like, I told you about
0: this goddamn cat. Like, you, know, I told you And then, but then we he got the one who got. knew he was a trouble himself. He knew about the cats <laughs> yeah. following your dreams
1: so, complicates so, your life. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing yeah. you got it done though because i love
1: the cat throwing scene and i love just the the half-assed excuse the character gives for why he has the cat and why he threw it. i don't know i don't know I, I saw it and i was scared i, <laughs> right. I thought i needed well, help like so this is going to come really weird and and, and uh, i don't even know what to make of this but when when we watch this thing usually when you're watching a horror movie the you know, you have horror movie references that come in your mind or whatever. My first reference on this was Bugs Bunny Daffy Duck, the one where he edits him out and he's torturing him <laughs> like with a pencil, you know, because I felt yes. like things were appearing in this movie and making things difficult for people. And they were sort of oblivious to it. One of the things that was amazing about Chad is he never reacted to anything. I mean, he reacted, but the reactions never lasted. Joe Bob was openly insulting him the whole movie. And he was yeah. in love and as devoted to Jojo Bob at the beginning as he was at yeah. the end, right? And He doesn't even hear it. No, he doesn't, no, hear he doesn't it. even hear it. And like Han, Han, how do you say his name? Uh, Han. Han. He, his character was, was openly defying him, like him doing, you know, and he, he was arranging this amazing party for him. Like it, He just didn't re- react to people bringing him down. He just wouldn't react to it, which is why I love that he dies with a see-through head and a thumbs up. He, like died like his own logo <laughs> yeah yeah well and, and the li- and what
2: chase says or wrote, um pete in the movie chase williamson's character when he's in there he's like i think that's how he wanted to go and 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 i, I always like that line because that is how i think he wanted would have wanted to go i mean when i talk with jeremy king you know plays rad chad like it was i was like look like you are just like you're actually kind of a sad and lonely person and you are just so looking for human attention you just want somebody, but the one person you don't want it from is Sam, who's in right. your store. Like he's right. the one you hate, like and all your ire goes out to him, but then everyone else is just like, I just want friends. And and we, we do subtly play in the, like he's looking for his dad, you know, right. and he's like his yep. long lost father yep. and all that, uh, which like ties back all my movies, have like dad issues. Cause I'm, I'm estranged from my dad. So it's like a
3: thing that I write into
2: everything, sure. but it starts right off. And it's like the first line, one of the first lines he has is like, I never met my father. And it just sounds like this like weird joke. But it actually ties into like you know everything that's going on. So when he sees Joe Bob, there's there was more backstory there of like you know because actually in the black, well, so. There's a whole story of his mother being very promiscuous and oh. not knowing who his dad is. And let's just say if we had we're lucky to do a sequel or something, we'll play into those ideas. Oh, um cool. and then the, the the names and the dates that are in the blacklight room, we didn't get to like expand on right. this. Those are places where his mom like hooked up with people like throughout the life. So he's beautiful
1: minding (laughs) like like all his mom's jokes. Yes.
2: Yes. To figure out like to figure out where his dad is. And then if you pause, if you pause on a map, like one of my favorite things is uh (laughs) and Han Han does such a good job of like I feel so bad. I'm laughing at my own jokes. I apologize. No, it's great. But like there's like so you know on maps like greenland there's like this whole thing about greenland doesn't appear on like tons of maps mm-hmm. so like we immediately put like greenland and like cross it out on the map <laughs> like right off the bat and then han's just like there's a part where i was like i love the way han says no daddy and he like points to this one part and he's like no daddy And <laughs> i don't know, han just cracks me up like i just think he's so fucking funny he was on that map but yeah if you pause there's all these little things like all over the place I gotta um, go look at that,
1: and I, I actually the father thing because I was looking for backstories and it, while I was watching it, and it was interesting that his I don't know my father came after the Phoenix Ashes line where he has that genius like I just don't know what that means, man. <laughs> like, that yeah, he, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the mic, and then and then he drops that line. But the the fact that you were having kind of like visual cues that's
0: amazing in that scene. I gotta go pause it and look at that. Yeah, I know oh, Nick wants to ask so you about video stores. I gotta I gotta ask you this. Yeah so watching them in the video store was like a shot of nostalgia to do like it just like instantly flashed back to like high school uh, middle school weekends going with my friend just renting some horror movie we know nothing about so i want to know do you have like a memorable rental that that like changed like built your foundation that you went home and watched and it changed you forever oh my god
2: uh there's a number of these so i mean so number one, I worked in video stores. So that was a thing, you know. So that's it's same for me completely, mm-hmm. um, and that's a real video store in Austin, Texas called Vulcan Video. Oh, wow. um, that we were able to kind of repurpose and kind of make work. It's unfortunately due to COVID, it's now it's now shut down. That's um, so it's just like one of the last bastions of that. Um, but uh, God, I mean, there's there's two that come in mind. One's kind of a, a unique one because I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of horror movies as a kid. So I grew up in this like strict Christian home and it was like just a a thing. And I remember going uh, like on Sundays, whenever there wasn't school on a Monday was always like the coolest shit. And I remember I would always stay at my friend, Matt Matt White's house after like church that Sunday night. And we would go after church, we would go to the grocery store, we would get like tombstone pizza and then we would (laughs) go to the grocery store VHS section. Cause they they would rent movies at the grocery store and we were there and i remember we got like a couple movies and you know i mean like the, the edgy film i was allowed to watch at the time was a like, big trouble in little china or something like that and i just wanted to watch it like over and over again but i we got like a couple movies but we were by my mom um so, was, so his mom wasn't there we were just staying with his dad and we knew you know, we could kind of get his dad and maybe let us like rent some shit we shouldn't have got <laughs> and so we're looking around we're like what what could we really have what could really happen and he's like he's like, well, my dad's seen Alien. He likes that movie. I'm like, fuck, so let's get Alien. So we got Alien. And we're like showing, we had like the movie on top. was like, I don't know, Weekend at Bernie's. And we're like, oh yeah, gonna Bernie's. <laughs> and then the second one was like Alien. He's like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. And we're like, come on, like we're older now. Like you could watch it with us. And he's like, no, your mom, he's like, Aaron, if your mom finds out, I'm like, she'll never find out, you know? And uh, let's find, I mean, she'll find out now, I guess. But um, she'll never find out. <laughs> And uh, I mean, granted, I don't know that she's in your Facebook group, but maybe she is. I don't know. <laughs> <mom was> like, <laughs> right. uh, but anyway, so we watched, we watched Alien and that was like the first time that I, cause I'd watched some stuff on Monster Vision on TNT cause I got that chain almost like, one of the one things I could do. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were edited, you know, and it just wasn't the kind of the same watching fucking alien man just absolutely like destroyed me because i was so scared i was so scared yeah and and if it, it i did not know that you could watch a movie and feel that way i just didn't even know it was possible so that was one but that's not quite the same thing as far as like the vhs story experience it's just like something that i mm-hmm. very vividly remember and it's like such a profound moment for like making me want to be interested in horror films sure. um god i mean i would say you know like going through and just pick up the titles like one that really comes to mind is probably prom night um because the thing about prom night or no 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 no, actually april fool's day um would probably be one just because or was that which was the one that had her hair was a noose and then she had a knife behind her back i think
0: that was april fool's i remember that. that okay
2: that's what it was and i was just like what is this like what a crazy and then the tagline was um, you know, so and so's having a party or oh, no, wait, that, I mean, I'm, I'm conflating things because night of the demons was the tagline of Angela's having a party, Freddie and Jason are too scared to come. And I got that <laughs> one later, but I remember the April fool's night thing was just like, what is this? It's a woman, her hair is like tied into a noose. And she's holding this knife. And I just thought that was so cool. And I was able to go to a friend's house and we were able to rent that and watch that. And we were just like transfixed. It was so rad. And then we would go from that point on, we would go every week to like the little family video or whatever the hell mm-hmm. it was. And, you know, just or go into like the little horror section. And then when I was in film school, there's a place in Orlando called Stardust Video. And they had this like grindhousey horror, like really crazy horror, like trauma shit and stuff. Section. <laughs> and we would go in there and literally we would just spin around and just point. And then whatever we got, we would That's take amazing. home and watch. And I mean, just, you know, you know, like Frankenhooker. <laughs> and like, um, <laughs> You know just random shit like that just like what is this uh so yeah there was a lot of those but i mean that was a big part once we got into that that grind of it every week there was a different movie we were taking on
0: the video roulette is a really tricky fun game i remember i was i was always scared to do what you did and my guitar teacher was like you got to do it because if you pick a low budget one they get more creative and i remember the first one i got was i think it was zombies versus vampires the only thing we were in middle school and the highlight of that film was like there was a part where like two women kissed we were like there's no horror <laughs> but I, no horror.
1: I, I guess but the roulette still worked but gonna, the roulette still kind of worked where the zombie there the zombies. <laughs> i don't know who won i don't know who won well it's a lot more fun to do the roulette Physically present in a store, yes, than, like spin through Amazon Prime and just like s- select that. Funnel. Oh, I
2: haven't done that. That's that's um, I wish I had the time, I'd probably do that again just for fun, but uh, yeah, totally, but yeah, but it was a small room, like it was a small room, and they also, but then like later on, they started adding like NC 17 stuff in there, not not actual like mm-hmm. porn, but they had like more of the. I, well, I don't know. They had like a embrace of the vampire. I remember like Alyssa Malata movie. Right. I remember that yeah. showed up. Yep. And I was just like, that's cool. Okay. Look at that. <laughs> right. um, you know, and that kind of stuff. So there was a variety of things. But it was such a small room. And eventually we're like, hey, get more stuff in here, guy. Like, not <laughs> <out of> zinc, <laughs> right? you know, we, and they did. They did them. for us
1: because we were there every single weekend. So oh, that's so cool. That is fantastic. The whole video store like, vibe uh, fascinates me for a movie because I was telling Nick the other day, I was like, this is. I wonder if video stores are going to be like the Frankenstein lab of horror movies, 50, 75 years from now, where they look back and it's going to look like, wait, you you physically went and picked up moving images and physically brought them to your, where you lived. <laughs> like that's, it won't look like anything that makes sense there, you know, to them, you know, people it's happening
2: right now. I mean, like there are people who are on, like, I've seen letterbox reviews and stuff. They're like, what the fuck is this? Like, are wires. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, you know, so it's just a different world. I'm just kind of like out of touch with that. I, I'm glad I'm out of touch with that because right. I want I want to be remembering this and just I'm nostalgic for it. And every, clearly, I am. I mean, I made this movie, totally. you know. Um, so so yeah, I totally get it. But you know, to each their own. I mean, I'm I'm still glad to. I'm glad that there's a few folks that you know. Well, there's a lot of folks that we've like introduced to this and like, wow, this is weird. Like this exists. I mean, there were reviews of people like these things don't exist in the world. This is like, how is it modern times, but it's not modern times. Like I don't get it. And I'm like, I don't care what time it is. It like, doesn't matter. Like the whole point is it's, I mean, I like, like I like that about it follows, like it follows. You have no concept of like what time in the world that movie takes place. There's like a clamshell phone thing. That's it. Yep. That's like it. And you don't really know what that is or the time period that fits within it. And
0: then Beyond they're watching a black and white movie, like, yeah, like the that's thing, great. Right,
1: it's great. I'm and she's reading like that. Dostoevsky, like what? is <laughs> yeah, yeah. reading like that. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's unsettling when you're when you can't place where you're at. That's why like April Fool's Day is intriguing. Like bring it because you can't categorize some of these things, and that that would be one of them. What where you're, you? What is this? Right? Is this yeah. comedy horror? Is it comedy horror? Is it actual? Like you, don't, you I right? mean, you know, it's horror. That's the one
2: thing. Like, right. Well, when we made this movie too, I got to say the one thing that was so frustrating for me was it was at a time when everybody was talking about elevated genre and all this and like, mm-hmm. you know, and horror was like B-horror stuff. And I was like, this is such bullshit. Like horror does not have to be elevated. Like horror is what it is. Like you can go back and watch especially like the Carpenter films and what Romero was doing and all this. And this idea that they didn't have like sociopolitical messages, like just shut the fuck up. Like this stuff is like permeating all of that. Also, I will say there was that weird controversy that happened where people were like, where Joe Bob said that, you know, horror doesn't have you know political messages in it. And it's like, and they misunderstood him completely with what he was saying. I mean, he's done dissertations on Texas yep. Chainsaw Massacre and what's there. I think he just, You know, personally, didn't like the overtness of it, is all that he was talking about. Right. But, but there's this stuff has existed forever. It's a beautiful aspect of what the genre and subgenres are. And this idea, and don't get me wrong, there became a derivative nature of these movies when, especially in the 80s, after the success of Halloween and Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th in particular, that kind of spawned Mm -hmm. this whole kind of like, you know, less than copied versions it's kind of like Michael Keaton in Multiplicity like the fourth Michael Keaton you know degrades yeah was not quite up to speed so it's kind of like that and they made some of those but you know what that shit happens in every genre you know Mm -hmm. like everything that happens everywhere and just because those films were still popular does not mean that that's all that was being said in that time period and it just frustrates me to see people kind of doing that because like you know when Jordan Peele makes Get Out and Us and they're like, well, they're not horror films. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? They're God. horror films. Like, what do you? Jaws is a horror film. It's a yeah. monster movie. You know, mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs is a horror film. I understand there was a thing on Twitter about that recently, and I talked to Full Noble and people about it. I'm like, it's a horror film.
1: Yeah, and Seven you know, is a horror film.
2: Get is it? it is yeah, it's, right. it is like just embrace <laughs> it. It's okay. Like <laughs> right. anyway, sorry. Diatribe over No, I no, love, that is
1: I love that diatribe. because we we dumb, because that. We, yeah, we deal with that as, as because w- with the community on 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 social media and et cetera, you get a lot of that discussion and it just always seems to go down the same worn track and it just gets very frustrating because I've actually taught myself at this point to auto correct elevated to excellent. Like, I just think elevated yeah. means excellence. Like, James Whale yeah. directed Frankenstein with excellence. He didn't think he was making
0: elevated horror when he was making Frankenstein. No, he was At making all. a great
1: movie. That's right. it. That's right. Like that's He was okay. just trying to do it as well as you can do it, or whatever it is. I think that's what
0: right? Wes Craven said. He's like, I wasn't trying to make a horror movie. I was just trying to make a good movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then it has horror, you know, yeah. like,
1: like elements yeah. because that's where the, the the kink in your character or your nature or whatever that mm-hmm. that's... But I mean,
2: the day that there's elevated drama, call me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> elevated comedy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right,
3: right.
2: Just right. So silly. Exactly. Well, right. and, and and that's a that's a theme, like in in like Ratchett's character, like he's like annoyed at that. We didn't. And we cut out some of the scenes that kind of deal with it, but he gets like annoyed. He gets like a little it, like bothers him when people talk about that kind of stuff because it's like so special to him, right? Um, and all that. But yeah,
1: and that was another amazing kind of thing that, that came from Scare Package to me was. I hadn't encountered a movie in a while where characters were getting built up to be menacing and then diminished to be not, and it was rotating. Like, there were moments where Chad felt like he was being built up to be menacing, and then he absolutely was not. (laughs) There were times where Hawk was menacing and absolutely was not. You're right, exactly. And and it, it kept... It kept moving where you didn't, it was a moving target. Like, who's actually the villain and who's actually malevolent here? And it was a really, no, it really was, cool juggling act.
2: Oh, no. Thank you. I mean, and, and Jeremy and Han do a great job of like that duality of how they're, how they're balancing that. And then even Sam, you know, he's like peeking around the corner and all yep. creepy and all that, yep. you know. And, um, but we, I wanted to set up. You know, so originally we had this idea of like there really was something sinister going on behind the store and like he was a part of it. And that's why he got captured. And I was like, I, I don't I, I want to play with this in a different way. Like, let's make it a MacGuffin. And then honestly, a big part of this happened where I wrote the stupid fucking joke that I wish more people laughed at. The but it was The Mac- <laughs> McMuffin, MacGuffin thing. And like, I think it's my, it's my favorite it's thing amazing. I've ever written. It's my favorite thing I've ever written. I don't care. And and, uh, and even Cam, Cameron and other people are like, what? Like, I'm like, I'm telling you. Like, I'm just doing it. I'm going for it. And once I loved that so much, I was like, well, let's just have fun. And then the, it made the red balloon. I've had to explain to people, like, yeah, he's taking the red balloon to the room. And that's why it's in the room at the end, you know, from the earlier part right. and stuff like that. And some people, even my composer, Alex Cuervo, was like, oh, I didn't even get that. I'm like, you've composed the whole movie now. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> right.
1: And there were all these little moments like where Mike was getting dropped off. I didn't even catch that on the first yeah. pass until I realized where he was actually being dropped. That's, that's amazing. Talk about Alex Cuervo, because the, the music to this is incredible. And he works on Pildor too, right?
2: He's a superstar. Yeah. Cuervo is, so he's a long, like a friend I've known for a long time in the Austin area. And we met at a fantastic fest, which is a big film festival, like, you know, horror film festival, basically mm-hmm. genre fest. And he like showed up to me. He's like, Hey man, I've seen some of your short films. I like you. I want to work with you. Here's a CD. And I'm like, Oh CD. And then he gave me a tape and I'm like, what the fuck? That's cool. Um, and I, I <laughs> didn't listen to it for the longest time. And then I, um, I was in a rental car and there was a CD player in the rental car or whatever. And I was like, Oh shit, I have the CD in my bag still from this weird dude, you know? And uh, I put it in, I was like, holy shit, this is good. And uh, from there I've hired him ever since. And yeah, I mean, look, it was a really, really tough ask for him to do this because you're, we we wanted each director to kind of have their own thing but feel like it's building in the same world. So what was nice about it was that because I did, you know, the rap and the big finale, I was able to like slowly incorporate things. I wanted the directors to have what they wanted and kind of like, you know, that's there, but then keep them in the particular lanes that we needed. And then I was able to pull motifs from those pieces to culminate in the ending. So the music starts to kind of come together. And, you know, Cuervo just nailed it. I mean, he just absolutely nailed it. Um, and holy shit, wait till you hear what he does on a pale tour. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I mean, I'm
1: so excited because the music was such a standout element of this, and and how it was all piecing together it was kind of incredible to watch it all head in one direction to, to surface at the end. I, well,
0: speaking of piecing together, yes, I gotta ask, like, because when I was thinking about like how all these pieces came together, I thought of it like a NASA rocket launch. Like, there's so many parts working together that has to come together for this one thing to work. Mm-hmm. What is it like managing? like all these projects for one big kick-ass film. It's hard.
2: It's a lot harder than people think. I mean, Cameron's original idea, kind of like when that one day when the cat was there and he's like, see, I told you we shouldn't do a cat. There was definitely a day when I was like, see, I told you we shouldn't do an anthology Um, because it was such a pain in the ass to get, I mean, it took forever. This movie took two and a half years, you know, of making. it, Um, And that's why we have two movies releasing within two months of each other because we made the pale door and that's already coming out and scare package just took so long. Yep. Um, but it was, so uh, what we really kind of, so the, can- the the producing team was we had to have a larger producing team. That was something we learned and we had to have a spread out so that we could have somebody, you know, within each segment um, to kind of like, you know, curate uh, cause I couldn't be on each one. But, um, but so we had myself, Cameron Burns, Alex Uding, Ashley Snead, Sean Talley. And uh, yeah, that's it. Um, oh, and Chris Phipps, sorry. Mm-hmm. And Chris was kind of like with the makeup effects and some of that stuff too. And then he also, and then each of us kind of had a specialty for each segment. And then it was really kind of like a, kind of like show running is the way we looked at it. So there'd be like episodes that are delivered to us. So, you know, we, we sat down, we talked with all the directors. Like I, I kind of like picked each one and then kind of worked with them. Like, let's talk about the tone, let's talk about the style. Like I want, it's gonna be practical effects. Uh, here's the kind of humor we're going for. Throw in everything that you can. But then once we got into like a couple segments and we, we saw some similarities, we wanted to kind of divert and kind of, you know, zig and zag a little bit to kind yep. of, you know, um, still keep it comedic, still dealing with tropes, but just be like like, if you had 90 minutes of one time in the woods, Chris McEnroy's segment, I feel like you'd just be like, Oh, what the fuck. Like you have to like settle down, you know, right. like it'd just be so much Um, But if you do that in in kind of like, you know, pieces together, there could be, and and we spent a lot of time figuring out the order and like the way that they go in and out and all of that. But yeah, I mean, it was, you know, they would have an idea, they pitch an idea. We would say, we would go through ideas. We rejected a ton of ideas from a ton of people. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a number of directors that were in the direct, but then left like Emily who did, like I said, cold open, she was one of the first directors I had on because she's Austin based. I've known her for a long time, and she had one that was in. But then she got she was going to go do a feature, so then she had to leave. And I brought somebody else in to do a segment. But then she got busy and she had to leave. And then Emily came available, and then I brought Emily back in. <laughs> and uh, and then like Baron Vaughn, who did the so much to do segment um, with uh, the smoke thing and all that he i mean he's the voice of you know uh tom servo and mystery science theater oh. he's uh you know he's in like i mean every goddamn she's in like three netflix shows i can't even keep track of what this guy does i mean he just released a new sci-fi show just recently it's like a game show that he's the host of Jeez. um and so he was so busy so it was like trying to get his schedule in uh you know and then noah as well just kind of you know being an actor we were waiting for some stuff he was doing so it was just the juggling of that. Like, nope, okay, it's this segment. Nope, it's that segment. Nope, this person can't do it. This person can do it. You know, and then I was deliberately waiting. I didn't want to do the rap in the finale, the whore hypothesis piece, mm-hmm. until the end. Because I wanted to be mm-hmm. able to use things from that in that. So we were like sitting there kind of like waiting for this stuff. Not to mention, because we we tried to make it so inexpensively, I was able to get people, the really talented people to do post sound and stuff and, and things, but we had to wait for them to be available. So like, if they're like, Hey man, sorry, I got a more expensive thing. We knew that we had to wait in line for that yeah. like whenever something came in. So then even if we had everything together,
1: you're still in then the something
2: like that could come in and we'd derail yeah. it again. So it was, um, I, we learned a lot though. I feel like we have a system now um, for how we will do this to be even better. And once we got going, uh, we started booking I mean we really we really oh, kind of so cool. figured out like like how to do this and how to kind of like maximize get the dollars on the screen that's a phrase I always say and and find the right way to kind of put it out there so yeah I think we finally hit stride, but we definitely had uh, the first couple segments were like a learning experience for sure.
1: <laughs> it's it's such a, it's, it's so interesting that the a team getting their muscle member together is 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 documented forever on the screen like you don't get that with a lot of, like, when the team that put together, like, the first Mac, like, they became Apple, and like, whatever, but they, you know, so you have a device, but you, you literally have a visual scroll of, of you know, at this point, we were doing this, at this point, that's pretty amazing. I like the showrunner thing, too, because that mm-hmm. is a hard trick to pull off. Like, when you look, retroactively, when I look at something like Twin Peaks, the original, the idea that directors were rolling in, and they were like, okay, you're directing a show in david lynch's universe go how are you doing how would you ever you know do that and the fact that they pulled it off and it it did its own thing but also felt part of the world that's got to be such a tricky thing to pull off yeah it's it's hard i mean and that's
2: why there were a number of segments where, like you know what this just doesn't quite fit like i don't think we can do this you know right um and or or it was like these jokes that kind of exist in other segments we had that happen too Sure. so we had to kind of be careful i mean i remember anthony cousins who did the 90 came back again part four the final kill mm-hmm. uh which i love that title <laughs> that <makes> and <laughs> when he when he did that and then in my segment i was like oh we have some crossovers we had you know i i, I let him do his thing and i kind of pulled some stuff out because mm-hmm. we, we had a killer that you know in a similar kind of fashion mass killer in a similar fashion so we i made sure that i pulled out some of my jokes and did some new ones so we kind of didn't, didn't rehash all the same shit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it's hard, man. It's, it's really hard. And I think there's a lot of people who think like, oh, I'll just go make an anthology. And I understand because it's like, I can make a short film. I can just do that seven times or right. whatever it is. Sure. And I get that in theory. But if you want them to work together, I mean, we had the same, again, as we talked about the same composer, mm-hmm. we had, you know, we had uh, technical specs that like, we didn't have the same DP. Although if I'm lucky to do a sequel, we will have the same DP on all of them. Um, Not for any faults of anybody, but just for like how to kind of keep things Mm -hmm. cohesive, even more cohesive. Uh, We had the same colorist. uh, We had the same, you know, sound designer. uh, And then they had their individual editors that kind of delivered a a cut. Mm -hmm. And then we, you know, and for most of them, they were kind of the final cut. But a few, we kind of like massaged a little bit to kind of fit into kind of what it is we were doing. Um, And especially when you wanted to transition in and out of stuff. You know and kind of what's going on like for example one time in the woods originally started with just this shot of the woods and it was there and then but sam's last thing he's like and he stepped in some nasty goo so i was like oh well we need to cut immediately to him stepping in the goo yeah. you know so we just you know little things like that totally. to like make that mm-hmm. you know fit um even better right. and so and that was uh, alex yuning who was like a main he's such like a kind of a, an unsung hero behind this entire movie because when you're getting like all these deliverables from all these different films and you're bringing them together and then he's editing the master thing and then he's delivering everything. He's working with all these different directors. Like, you know, do you, cause I mean, when you, when you're dealing with a distributor too, you know, cause so we, we sold the film, I sold the film, just shutter. And then we have uh, dark sky films. Uh, it mm-hmm. sells it internationally for us. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, like, hey, does every, here's everything from every director that we need, everything from every producer of those segments that we need, everything from every actor from those segments that we need, like done over and over and over again. And normally you'd have like this one sheet that has everything, but you can't do it with an anthology. So just, it it just made the logistics of that delivery mechanism, like, like, look, you can make an anthology probably easier if you don't want to sell it,
3: you know, <laughs> like, or you don't want to have it out in the world, um, right, right. but if you right.
2: actually want to like get your investors their money back, and, right. you know, you want to get it out to the world, you're going to have to go through these, these mechanisms and it mm-hmm. was not easy, but it was I've fun, man. it's the most amazing fun.
1: anthologies. They're on my heart. I Yeah, not I can't sell them to anyone. <laughs> so I, um, couldn't find a convincing reason as a child to think that high planes drifter wasn't a horror movie i, I don't know that i've still <laughs> figured out <laughs> why high planes drifter isn't a horror movie one of my favorites but i love this this horror western genre so pale door i'm really excited for are are there things that you can reveal from the making of it or stories that happen behind the scenes that don't give anything away that we can talk yeah
2: about? yeah i mean i'm, I'm happy to uh you know, this is this is by far the biggest film we've ever done. So it was created with Joe R. Lansdale, you know, and his son Keith uh, Lansdale. He is an
1: amazing writer.
2: Yeah, I mean, it all started from a, I was asked to be on a screenwriting panel and about like how to sell screenplays. I had sold a few screenplays, so they wanted me there. And they're like, we might get another guest on. I'm like, okay, cool. i will be, whatever. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, it's Joe Lansdale and his son Keith So I'm like, what the fuck? Why am I on a panel with Joe Lansdale? Right. I need to be in the crowd
3: and so many times
2: i'm just like listening to him like go on like i'm just listening you're fucking right. amazing yeah um, but i was like well, okay well i gotta go it's like in the middle of nowhere texas like beaumont texas or something i'm like i don't care i'm going mm-hmm. and uh i went and i i told him we were telling stories and joe's telling these like amazing stories of like ridley scott this and these things and all these movies that didn't happen and i'm like I have like one story of a movie that didn't happen. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, after making my first film, Camera Obscura, which was unbelievably difficult, like I had mentioned. And we, uh, Universal, um, I mean, although the coolest part of that is, I mean, well, I got to make a movie. It's fucking cool as hell. But, <laughs> but it has the Jerry Goldsmith cue and that Universal logo that goes around the globe. And I'm just like, oh my God.
1: Um, so amazing. that's really,
2: that's a really cool thing. But I was talking, so Universal asked me to pitch a witch movie. And it was after Robert Eggers the Witch had been successful and they wanted to do this or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool, I'll come up with a witch movie. They're like, oh, do you have, actually, that's not true. They said, do you have a witch movie? I was like, yeah, I got a witch movie. <laughs> and then I call, I call Cam, I'm like, we gotta get a witch movie. They're like, let's go up with a witch movie. Um, so we had written this Western that was like a really violent Western. Um, but it just was like, the scope was too big. And then it also just kind of sucked. Like the second, the whole second half of it was like, this isn't very good. I just didn't like where it went. Um, and I, but I liked the characters and I liked this kind of core idea, which was at the time it was a stagecoach and it was a group of cowboys, Rob, a stagecoach. And then wh- someone gets shot. They have to hold up in this ghost town, um, overnight. And I was like, that's just a great setting. And I like that setting and I liked some of the characters we had created. So we had to hurry and come up with something I was like, well, that script sucks, but I like this, what if when they got to the town, the town had a brothel and was inhabited by the covenant of witches. And, and we're like, All right. okay, we're on the running, All right. This is cool. Mm-hmm. So I kind of do this, you know, treatment pitch to them and everything, put this whole debt together. And and they're like, So, Aaron, yeah, I mean it sounds nice, but like, why are there cowboys? I don't understand. I'm like, like, and, and I'm like, we just want normal witches. And I'm like, what the hell is a no, normal the, <laughs> normal witch? The, you know <laughs> the normal
0: witches. Yeah, I don't a know normal what witch.
2: the ones who work at <laughs> <in> Sephora. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm like, okay. Um <laughs> So that didn't work out, but I told that story on the panel and Joe like stops in this way, the only way that like Joe Lanza can. And he's like, Aaron, I'm not I'm gonna do impersonation. That's just <laughs> but he's like, right. does it in his like East Texas accent. And yep. it's just like, that's a good idea. You should do that, you know? And, yeah. uh, and then he's like, don't you all think that's a good idea? And then the whole crowd's like, we should all, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were trying wow. to make, at the time we were developing a sci-fi kind of Cronenberg-y kind of film and uh That's how that size I like Cronenberg that kind of like Cronenberg better I like that better Oh fuck I just thought of a joke I should have added on scare package <laughs> Because so We're in here the, for season, the moment well, in the scene, there's a movement where they look at the map and it's got all of the different places that are like horror film stuff and it's mm-hmm. like where they're on the map and like in the room, they're in the room, which is the last records room on the left, which really is the last records room on the left. And then oh. there's like the Cenobite Cafe and right. then outside is the Outpost 31. Um, there's room 237 or like server room 237. But like there should have been next to the Cenobite Cafe, oh. there should have <laughs> been a Cronenberger a joint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking name, man. God damn. There's a sequel. There's gotta there be a it sequel is, There it is, there it is. Just through. for that alone, to make <laughs> <Kronenberger>. um <laughs> And what would be on a Cronenberger? Like, oh my god, how gooey and crazy. Well,
1: I don't know what starts on a Kronen but it's not gonna be the way it is when you when you it finish. It's a <laughs> lot of like melted gouda that's like melting
2: off the whole time. That sounds good. I take that. Anyway, sorry, not the point. Um so oh yeah, so I was gonna do this sci-fi phone and then uh but then everybody was so excited and then that night i went to dinner with joe and his son keith and uh, keith is like also this amazing writer he wrote like a couple batman comics an x-fan comic he wrote uh, with his father a new episode of creep show in the last season Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and uh you know he's just amazing and we just kept talking and they're like this is a really cool idea so we decided to make it together you know and then uh, joe was really busy so he couldn't kind of come on as a full writer but he kind of gave us notes that was there. And then Keith came and I was a full writer with Cameron and I, and then we were off and running. So it was like this crazy thing. And then what's, what's even more absurd is that I had that meeting. It was like April 22nd or something of 2018 was when I was on that panel. One year to the day, I am in a car driving to Oklahoma to start directing The Pale Door.
1: Incredible. Nice.
2: So it was like a completely surreal experience. It happened so fast and... Yeah, I mean, it's um, look. I think it's uh, you know the trailer's out now, and you know, I encourage people to look at that. You know, but it's a very, it kind of. I think it shows the film is a little more of an action film than it is. I think it is. It, it there's definitely some like crazy shit that happens. Like, don't get me wrong, sure. uh, that's there. But it has a lot of sentimentality to it. I think it's it's got some slower moments. It's got some things that are really, you know, it's a, a story about these two brothers. Um, there's a parallel to the witches, and there's like a background with the witches that. You know, that maybe we're talking about, one, these aspects of men underestimating the fortitude of women that are around them. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also just the idea that, you know, hate breeds more hate and violence leads to more violence. And like what creates this gang of outlaws and what creates this coven of witches? And there's like a parallel to that. And it was fun. I got, you know, mildly pretentious at times with it. But then it's also like cowboys and witches, you know? <laughs> so we do some really, really, I mean, we do some, there's some crazy shit that happens. Um, there's some stuff that happens in a church that I can't give away, but let's just say we ended up having to build the church ourselves because in Oklahoma, they were not cool with us doing inside a church what I wrote happens inside that church. So it's a thing. Um,
1: I wonder the craziest scene ever shot in a real church with provisions is. That's, oh, that's a good question. That's, that's good. a list. That's a list. That's,
0: <laughs> that's got to be a crazy list. That's a list. Um, I would hope Silver Bullet would be somewhere.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's up there. F2. Oh, you know what's what's a great one? Is that uh, – was it in the Kingsman, like, killing scene? Oh, that one shot?
0: Where you yeah. just oh.
2: – where they kill everybody, like in the church. It's like you Litter know, Skinner's
0: playing or something like that. And yeah, it's going absurd. to serve. No. Oh. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's I also tough. really love I love Al Pacino in Devil's uh Devil's Advocate, when he just walks in and he like touches the water. Like that's just like yep. so creepy and like it's sears. It's such a
1: great moment.
2: Yeah. It's so good. He's so fucking good in that. Like I love, that's like, that's at this moment where Al Pacino was kind of like, he never went quite Nick Cage, but he like had these Nick Cage-ish moments where he's like, I'm letting it out, yep. you know? Yep. And uh like, he's just like, what oh, well, I'm not going to do, it. Gonna
1: do it. Al Pacino <laughs> well, it. It's crazy to be able to be over the top and subtle simultaneously. It's just such yeah. a rare, <laughs> like a rare thing that he's able to do. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's next level with
2: that. Like he's so good at that. You know, just just like, I'm really from like, say hello to my little friend, was like that first like hint of it you really got. And then it just kind of blows up from there. But yeah, I think in Devil's, Devil's Advocate, when he's just getting mad, you know, it's just like so, so and, good. And
1: those, you know, movies like that or Angel Heart, they sneak up on you with the cast. You forget mm-hmm. how incredible the cast of these movies were they just carry it, right? Oh,
2: my God. I wish I could go back to the 80s and just like cast like those. Because like the thing is, it's like now all those people are like, I can't get all those people. You know, they cost so much money and different yep. things. So, but it's interesting. Like one of my goals. So I actually referenced, I didn't reference Angel Heart, but that's a great, that's a great example but there's a lot of those movies, like, um, I was gonna say, like, To Live and Die in L.A. is, mm-hmm. like, a movie that just, it's just, like, John Turturro and, 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 um, uh, fucking Willem Dafoe and just, like, you know, just some, uh, Bill Peterson, and so there's so many amazing character actors that are in that, that weren't huge at that time at all. Right. But you, you know them, and now they're, like, each of them with like, lead movies, you know, and what's mm-hmm. going on. Um but So when we were doing the pale door, originally we were, you know, talking to like a lot of really big names and it was gonna be like a bigger budget and, you know, and, and I mean, we got really close to some people that were like wanted to do it and just couldn't work out the timing and some stuff. And then once I realized that, you know, they're like, well, Hey, can you make this for this amount instead? And I was like, I can, and it's like, okay, well now it doesn't matter. You can cast whoever you want. So then once that happened, I was like, Oh, fuck. Yeah. Now, and don't get me wrong, I was excited about some of those people. They're amazing actors, too. But just there was something, and I talked with my casting director, Dave Guglielmo, and I was like, dude, let's do, like, the Avengers of indie horror genre actors, you know? And just, like, all these fucking people have small parts in the backgrounds of all this stuff that I fucking (sighs) love and bring them all together. So Noah Segan, Pat Healy, Bill Sage. I mean, even Stan Shaw who, like, I remembered in Monster Squad for forever, and I loved mm. him in, like, Snake Eyes. And as a kid, um, one of my mom's favorite movies was Fried Green Tomatoes. And I <laughs> watched that movie all the time. But I remember, like, my family just being, like, like, that guy there, that, that Stan Shaw is a good actor. And I remember that as a kid, you know? And uh, so, like, to get to hire him later. And, That's amazing. Yeah, just, like, all that kind of stuff that was there. And, you know, I mean, Bill Sage, like, we are what we are. I mean, he's in American Psycho. He's in Happen Leonard. He's in, like, all this stuff, like, just – and I've seen all these people in all these amazing roles, and I was like, "Let's just like you know bring them all together in this kind yep. of like way." And that was, I mean, Melora Walters, like fuck, like um, <laughs> Melora Walters is the reason why I make movies. I know that sounds hyperbolic. It's not, and I can I can tell you exactly what. <laughs> Nineteen ninety nine. Okay, so my all time, so my favorite filmmaker is Paul Thomas Anderson. Now, John Carpenter's like right in there. Uh, Spielberg and some stuff too, but Paul Thomas sure. Anderson is just. I, you know, not horror, of course, but like just someone that I just love. I just, I just love. I love mean, there was pretty horror. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. It's <laughs> my favorite ending possibly of a movie ever. Oh yeah, um, ever. I'm, I'm finished, yep. it's just perfect.
1: And it's got um, so many different meanings to two words. Like, a holy. Oh my place.
2: God. His three fil- like look, Magnolia, Boogie Nights and There Will Be Blood are perfect fucking movies. Yep. I mean, perfect movies in my opinion, like they're there. So. 1999, I go to see Magnolia. I had seen, that's by the way, best year in film, by the way.
0: <laughs> we, read, we both read the book. We read the book. Yes, yeah, the uh, best movie
2: ever. Best year ever. <laughs> best, best yeah.
1: year ever. Yeah.
2: I've been saying that a lot longer before that book came out. He <laughs> <But, laughs> yeah, so played like, your yes. flag first. But it really is. I mean, it really, really is. And I mean, I had just seen like Fight Club, like right before that or something too, and like The Matrix and shit. And I'm just like, what a summer this is. Oh, right. then, oh my God. It goes on and on and on. Right. Even like smaller films, like Cider House Rules is so damn yep. good. Yep. Anyway, but- um, so I, I, and then finally I went to see Magnolia. I knew nothing about it. My girlfriend at the time was like Tom Cruise is in it, you know? So I was like, okay, sure. cool. so we saw it, I go through that movie. I sit through it's three hours and seven minutes. My friends are like fidgeting in their chairs, like, and I get it for a lot of people, I get yeah. it. It's not for everyone. They're fidgeting in their chairs. And then the last moment, if people to see, it. I'm not giving it any away. There's just a, there's a slow push in and Melora Walters plays this very troubled character in Claudia Wilson Gator who's like just trying to find love. She's just trying to figure her life out. And she's kind of like, she's got a coke addict, she's got some problems, she's got all this shit going on. She just gives this amazing performance. And at the very end, she's got tears in her eyes and there's a person who's coming to talk to her that wants to like show her that's like, I'm gonna fight for your love. And and you don't hear what he's saying and it's this long push in, you know, that Robert Ellsworth, the DP is just like perfectly crafting and then she turns and she looks right in the camera and she smiles. I got chills talking about it because it still gives me chills. And I cry. I just start crying. And everybody's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like what's going on? I'm like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Like, and you know, fucking frogs fall from the sky. And this movie is a crazy movie. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. This movie changed me. We walk, I, I stay through all the credits. We walk outside. My friends are like, okay, Hey, we're going to go out there. I'm like, guys, I can't, I can't do anything right now. Like I'm a like, catatonic. And and I, I had left, I graduated from high school and I was not, I was about to go to be a doctor. And it was what I was told I was supposed to do. I was gonna to go to medical school and all this. And I was like, guys, I, I, I have to watch this movie again because I don't know what happened. Yeah. I don't understand it and I have to understand it. I have to understand. They're like, that movie was fucking three hours <laughs> long. What is wrong with you? Right? And I'm like, I'm sorry, you guys can go. And they're like, fine, we're leaving. And like we don't understand what's wrong with you. I it's waited that like way. <laughs> waited twenty minutes, came back in. And there were like four people in the theater. I watched it again. So for in over like a seven hour span, I watched that movie twice. And then that night I came back. I was talking, and I had a friend who was like saying, "Hey, we should go to film school. We should go to film school." And I was like, oh, "I don't know, I don't know." And then I was like, I, I got here and I called my friend Sean Tally, who's one of the producers on Scare Package, nice and what? this other guy, this other guy Josh, that I fucking hate, he's a loser, and I called him. <laughs> And I, and I said, I was like, guys, I'm doing it. I'm going to film school. That's and amazing. wow so that happened. So then cut to, I'm writing The Pale Door. Who's going to be the the, the, the Madame of these witches? And I I don't like using the same name um, of like the character name and the actor name. Mm-hmm. So I, I changed Melora to Maria and I wanted Maria. I just thought she could do, I mean, I, she's, I mean, I still think she was the biggest Oscar snub ever in my opinion well tony collette is up there in hereditary we'll say that yeah, but, yeah and, uh, sure. and and lupito for fucking us as well right like, oh my god when she kills herself like what the fuck uh, and, <laughs> um and like which one is which oh right. my god so good it's amazing but anyway sorry melora walters magnolia i thought was like one of the biggest snubs so i wrote her a letter we had these we had some big actors that wanted to do it and like they were giving me all these names i'm like nope it's more walters like nope it's more Walter. awesome. like, what do i have to do i wrote her a letter and all this stuff and her agent originally said no and i was like just give her this letter let's find a way and then she did it and she acted in it and now i can text her right now and just she <laughs> my news and yep. we like formed this like bond and uh it's just one of those things that you can't script it's just like one of those moments where you're like holy shit. it's like when when scare package is on the last drive-in and I grew up watching Joe Bob, and I see Joe Bob say,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like, my name. And I know him. I know John. I know, like, I directed him. Like, mm-hmm. I fucking understand that. <laughs> but when he's like, Aaron, you know, Aaron Coons, a Texas boy or whatever, you know, and all this stuff. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> and then it's like Joe Bob, he's like four stars. Joe Bob says, check it out. And again, I guess, I guess I cry a lot, but I started, I got no, serious is, Are you, you kidding? That's,
1: yeah. That's a once in a lifetime. Those things don't happen. Every so day. those two
2: parallels, like, like to have Joe Bob come back and do that. Yeah. And then to have Melora, you know, come in and be Maria sure. you know, in this movie. And she's so fucking good in this movie.
1: I can't wait um, to see this it's just
2: such a cool. Wait, thing. roll this
1: back for a second, so the second watch of Magnolia did you figure it out? Did you figure out what happened to you, or were you still does one any ever <laughs> <eyes> right. Magnolia? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Not I, what happened to the movie, but what happened to you? Like what it did to you? Because I had a very similar reaction to cat people, Val Luton's cat people, as as a cat, oh, wow. like right? You know, so like, but I I never figured out what it was. Like I just knew I loved it, and I grew more sophisticated about how they do what they do. But sometimes yeah. something just resonates with you, and that's it. Like there's no, you
2: know, no, no. It definitely it, it was just one of those films where I knew there was more going on than what I had just witnessed. Right. I knew that there were there were things I'm like, why is this happening? And like, they're all seeing, like there's that scene where they're all singing Amy Mann's Wise Up together and like it cuts to all of them singing. And it's just like, what, how are these things all tying together? And there's, a, there's this really beautiful open that was done by the late great Ricky Jay that's narrating all of these happenstance situations, you know, of like, you know, these crazy stories of like, you know, the, and they're based on real stories of things that have happened. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's this whole central theme of like, but it did happen. And that this movie is another one of those Ricky Jay stories, and then once I start to kind of like, you know, I start to realize that, then you you just start going through, and then and then I then I just I mean after that, um, I saw it in the theater again, but then it wasn't in theater very long, and it was gone, right. and I was like waiting to buy it, and I bought it, and then um, I mean I even taught a class that had like four people in it. Cause nobody wanted to go, um, <laughs> on Magnolia and, the uh, wow. and the art, the way of like constructing these different characters, but having them kind of come together in unique ways. Right. And I just thought it was, it was so beautiful, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's like these things like, you know, there's 82 references to the number 82 or like eight and two. It's like 82% chance of rain. He needs, he's like playing blackjack. It's like I need an eight and eight. And he gets a two, you know, the, this, you know, it's, um, the room is 082 and all this and then there's there's stuff about like biblical messages and mm-hmm. like every time there's a door that says exit instead it says exodus and then you look up exodus exodus 82 and it talks about, for oh, your man. sins, I'll plague thee with frogs and shit. And it's just like, oh, wow. what the wow. fuck is going on with this movie? Like, <laughs> and, 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 and Paul Thomas Anderson still to this day is like, oh, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's a <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Fuck you, dude.
1: Yeah, right. Fuck
2: you, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's super pretentious, but, like, <laughs> I just love Easter eggs. That's actually why there's a lot of Easter eggs in, you know, Scare Package. There's so many Easter eggs in Scare Package. Sure. Um, like, just everywhere. Right. And, and that's, I mean, even uh, the Impaler's uh, sweater – that he has that's from when he killed the frat bros because um, at the time was when that brock dude got off for Brock uh, turner be- yeah so like he had gotten off for you know those horrible atrocities that he did and i was just like "Fuck this i want to kill frat bros you know like that's yeah. what i want to do mm-hmm. so i made a whole thing about that and uh, but the letters that he has are delta epsilon alpha theta death you know <laughs> oh, and shit man. like that that's so, so there's good. so many there's i mean and even the mass that he has um it's uh so it started with if you pause there's like a moment where he turns his head you can see like the different faces right one of the faces it started with a donald trump mask and it's like (laughs) trump's face that's That's there as well so I mean, you know, I mean, we just we just had so much fucking fun with all this. Shit. I love that you
1: layered the masks. That's, that's, that's
2: well, yeah, fun. I mean, yeah, we want. Well, to me too, it's also kind of an homage to like the, you know the Mike Myers thing, you know, and like right. how that kind of comes from a uh, what's his name mask. You William know? Shatner. Yeah, William Shatner. So, I mean, it's just, you know, fun to like say, well, we started with the Donald Trump mask. Okay.
1: <laughs> that was the original lair. Yeah. <laughs> then the evil spread from there. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also it was, it was it's, it's, I guess the other thing that jumps out to me is, is if, if that movie does, if Magnolia doesn't end on that smile, does the movie still find you that way? Like, or does it need that moment? To hit you. And if it didn't hit you, would another movie have found you, like, later? Or did it have to be that one?
2: Well, there were other, I mean, I will say Fight Club really got to me, too. I mean, okay. you know, that same year. Like, Fight Club was another one of those movies I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, this is so, and, 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 what I, and I, I love how many people, like, misunderstood Fight Club over the years, too. I mean, I love and hate it at the same time. Sure. Like, it's, you know, because it's, it's, it's actually, it's an examination of toxic masculinity. Like, it's, it's written by a gay guy. You know, it's written by a man who's talking about these problems that are there, yet this, like, macho bravado sense of folks, like, kind of a reappropriated as, let's get together and punch each other. And it's like, right. that's kind of making fun of you, and it's making fun of the consumerism that you're actually a part of at the same time. Right. And I, I just, it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, that year was, like, such a pivotal year in film, and I saw so many amazing movies that it was just like, I have to do this, you know? I don't. I can't imagine that movie without her look. I can't. I don't even want to imagine it because <laughs> the movie. Because the movie is so dark and it's so it deals with so many heavy subjects and it's so sad and somber that you have to have a sense of hope. You have to have like a sense of hope. And and if not, it just you know, it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. No, no. Perfect. I'm totally with you.
1: That's the. It's you know. I felt the same way about There Will Be Blood, where there will be blood felt um, tactile to me. You could hear the, you could feel the oil drills making your floor shake if you're watching it on the right screen and all that stuff. And if you don't have that, that, that kind of impact of the physicality of the movie making you feel alive, then it's basically a death cult movie, (laughs) right? Like you need, you need that kind of the waves of, like waking your body up with the with the explosions and the brightness in between, or it's just too much. Yeah, like it doesn't well, and,
2: and it's like, I think that's a great example. I think it is kind of like a death cult movie by way of like Citizen Kane, Right. you know? Like just this yeah. examination of somebody kind of like losing themselves into the madness of like the power that they have and like what that means. Yeah. And, and I just think there's a wonderful, I, I think that Citizen Kane and There Will Be Blood make a great double feature pairing um, yeah. of films to watch. And I think they're on equal scale honestly yeah, I, mean, I, I, I agree. that highly um, and yeah that scene where like the thing explodes and then his son you know loses his uh his you know his hearing and and mm-hmm. it goes to that like that's just so heartbreaking and you know i mean and, and, and pta is just so damn good at like what he does with familial drama you know and like yep. dealing with like the heart of that and you know and just like not trusting anyone and you know i mean fuck the beginning of there will be blood is literally 20 minutes of no dialogue
1: yep and it's riveting. Just virtuosic. It's classic, riveting. Yeah. Like it's,
2: you it's, know, it's, I mean, yeah, totally. I made a short film called An Otter Student, which was like the first kind of movie that I made that had like some decent success and kind of, you know, put us, got people asking what I wanted to do next. And I was, I, I decided to, I wanted to make a, the whole film. It's only 12 minutes, but I was like, I want to make a film that has no dialogue, but you don't realize it until the movie's over yeah and and it's great and i talked to people like did you realize there's no dialogue? oh shit nobody does say
1: (laughs) right that's cool
2: perfect and that's and that's a very that's me that's such a cool
1: trick i had that experience with rafifi the the french heist film there's this incredible heist in there where you don't know you're watching a movie for 22 minutes and no one's talking like it's just an incredible like it's so cool pull, pull that off that's and and the hostility of plainview's character the uh I have a competition in me. He is so good at that. Like that was the thing. And that's one of the frustrating things. That's why we made Halloween our enterprise trying to be purposefully broad enough to pick up anything with dark elements and not just try to be in a straight jacket horror. Right. Because that character, when he's, he, he's not, he doesn't understand why he hates every human being on the earth. (laughs) Right. Like, and why he has to compete everybody down. He, he's, 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 the, the, it's on top of him, not him on top of it, and that's yeah. scarier than than almost all horror monsters that you can think of, at least on paper, right? Like no, no, I
2: actually. agree. I think he's the other side to like a Hannibal Lecter coin, you know, where yeah. there's there's something to to him there. But yeah, he's. But keep in mind too, there's like it's alluded to the problems that he's had with his family mm-hmm. and like what's there and like right. how sinister this man is. And, and by the time you get to the end and you realize that when there's that, when his son's grown up and he's talking to him in the office right before the ending, and he's just like, so mean to him. And he's like, mm-hmm. you're a bastard. You're not even my actual kid. I just used you, yep. you know, and you it's all wild. just, oh my God, it's just so, and, and clearly that is coming out because of what's happened to him, you know, yep. you, like, mm-hmm. like, and again, I, I'm, I, not to talk about my own phone, but like an honor student, a big part of that is like seeing somebody, that's doing something horrible, that seems like a horrible person. And then by the end, you start to wonder, oh, what happened to them? And like, what caused them to be there? Right. And again, it's so much of a, there'll be blood parallel to me in that way. I'm fucking not close, this is engaging. <laughs> um, but, uh, but the goal was just to be an homage to that in that way, because what he's doing there is like, you just realize you're like, oh my God, like what pain has Daniel Plainville gone through? To like, right. make him be this, decrepit right. of a person you right. know and not to make this political but like you talk about like you see trump like you see trump's parents you're like well fuck now i get it i understand <laughs> you know right yeah. you, you start to see and you start to understand like like what this is and you know the pale door again it talks so much about you know like like the witches have a background that ties into salem so it goes back to there and that was something that i wanted because you know even though those weren't real witches they were religious zealots who were persecuting people because they didn't understand something. Right. And it's such a dark fucking time period of things that had happened. And I mean, I read a story and look, nobody was actually burned at the stake. In the United States, where people were burned at the stake overseas. They were more hanged in stone Like that's that much better. Uh, <laughs>
3: right.
2: but but I read one story. Um, so we have a character in the film named Cotton Mather who's based on the real Cotton Mather, who literally wrote the book on hunting witches. That
1: malice, um, malice Karim, or however you say it. Yeah.
2: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And like uh yeah, Mag, yeah, exactly. Magnus, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he had um the uh the trials of the witches and that too as well. But anyway, he wrote all these books. And there were speech. there was a, there was a rumor of a story that was either him or descended to him or something that a woman who was accused of being a witch in Salem um, had fled because she was pregnant. And all she wanted to do was have her child. And she's like, and then, and then somebody found her in this other town. And she's like, just let me have my baby, then you can kill me. Oh, just wow. let me have my baby. And they burned her at the fucking stake. Wow. Pregnant. And I was like, so imagine if a person in the crowd who was friends with her and helping her escape and, like, what was there? Maybe there's a person who dabbled in, like, some black magic stuff, was, like, interested in this Mm -hmm. and saw all the hate that came from these religious zealots at that time. Maybe through that sequence of events, like, created
1: the first real witches. Like, what created
2: so like... And
1: That's so that became good. the backstory. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because you're, 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 they're literally faking it until they make it, but accidentally, and now they've made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now there's witches which is
2: well and that's that's what happens in our country it happens when we we perpetuate our own our own demise all the time you know right. and, and what right. this is in history repeats itself and it's like you try so hard not to make something happen that you end up inevitably making it happen yeah my mom did not want me to watch horror films look what fucking <laughs> happened <laughs> right.
1: you know you, right reverse manifestation yeah, yeah. she, right. she just not even
2: a week <laughs> ago she's like you know i rewatched this movie with sandra bullock uh, and it's just so heartwarming. It's called The Blind Side, and I just feel like you should make movies like The Blind Side. And I'm like, I'm sorry, mom. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Um, by the way, don't watch The Pale Door. Don't watch it. Um, rent
0: it, buy it, and right. just throw it away. Um, so, you know. Well, Israel will be like, here's practical magic. <laughs> we'll get you into the yeah. matches. No, no, like she it. doesn't like that either. No,
2: oh, no my, my, oh, mom, no, my mom was right. one of the Harry Potter's evil people back in uh-huh.
3: the day. Like, yeah. Yeah. I,
1: I mean, I every I I was I saw um, Robert Eggers of the Witch in a very conservative area, and half the audience, which was not large, and walked out oh. midway through the film. And by the time I left, I was in the lobby of the theater. I had heard people arguing on the way out about how bad it was and one there was this boyfriend and girlfriend who were like, the girl was like, what, what kind of person do you think I am that you would bring me to this? They, I felt like they were breaking up like, I was like, <laughs> and I just loved it. I loved every second of the devastation oh my that that God. movie was, was, was wreaking on people. And that time period, like one, one of the very first scares I got from, a work of fiction was a story called Young Goodman Brown by Nathaniel Hawthorne, which is set in a really dark witch era, like that Scarlet Letter, but supernatural kind of vibe to it. There's something about that era that's really unsettling to -hmm. people when you get it right, which is-
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, number one, I have a new goal for what I want to do, which is I'm going to break up couples with the Pale Door. So- (laughs) There you go. Scare package brings them together.
1: Right. The Pale Door breaks them up. (laughs) I love this process. Yeah, right. I love and then you it. need a third it. movie that counsels them back together. and You got a whole loop. <laughs> yeah. you, no, I can okay. figure that <laughs> out.
2: Teach the road. Teach the own. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. But yeah, I wish we could have done the 1690s are so much more expensive to even do. So this is this is like a flashback sequence that like talks about the origin because like the, our movie takes place in the 1890s. So it's all like modern, you know, Western sure. era Deadwoods, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then you learn a little bit of this history and a flashback of the witches. And so we get to do that in the same town that's like existed 200 years prior and what that meant and stuff. That's really cool. But it's really cool. Yeah, and, and what Eggers did there. Is so, I mean, I saw that at Fantastic Fest. It was like the first US screening and nobody kind of knew what it was, and for fucking months, I'm just like Black Philip, Black Philip, <laughs> right? and I'm like, one day you'll know what Black Philip is, and I can't wait until you know, you know. So yeah, that's <laughs> incredible a super rad
1: movie. So how does when does Pale Door come out, and how do people access it, and how do people support it before it comes out? What what's what, what can what can the what listeners can do? do to support? It?
2: Yeah, I mean, so it's uh it's out August 21st, uh on you know it'll be like. You know, some kind of premium VOD, whatever the fuck that means now. Um, <laughs> I guess it means it's a little more expensive. I'm not entirely certain, but it's not going to be like right. thirty bucks or some shit. Right. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what. It'll, I hope Mulan it's not.
1: Um, I mean,
2: <laughs> look, Mulan's a three hundred million dollar yeah. movie. Like, right. like they, can, it's a little different exponentially. Um, so I don't think like it's different. I still think thirty dollars is way too
1: much.
2: Me, but <laughs> I mean, look, families of four. Whatever. That's true. To each their own, right? Yes. Um, but but so it'll be on premium vod on that date so it'll be for, for rents everywhere uh and then we'll be in we're actually in some theaters which is weird um look i'm not asking anyone to go to theaters uh, right that's your own decision but if you are gonna go already right go see the pale door um, <laughs> you know uh and then and then i'm gonna do a roadshow tour to a bunch of drive-ins so I'll oh, be, right. oh, so cool. I'll be leaving and going to like all these drive-ins across the U S by the way, if you have a drive-in that's near you that you want to have a play, let me know, contact me and I can try and it's make on, it happen. Definitely. We will. Um, LA has got to have something. <laughs> oh, I didn't know where you're at. If you're in LA, then I think we are, I can't say which one, but we are talking about a couple drive-ins. Okay, cool. So. so yeah, yeah. If you're in LA, then yes, that's covered. Um, I saw Ohio state, so I didn't know if there was like an Ohio tie. So, that's <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm going to road trip around and then I'll bring some like posters and sign those and, and then uh, we're handing out uh, bandanas as masks from, the like, the gang's bandanas. Sure. So I was like, okay, that works out as, like, a
3: kitchen thing. Uh,
2: which is smart. So we're doing that. And, uh, yeah, and then just, you know, rent it and don't pirate it. Um, please, dear God, don't pirate it. <laughs> um, you know, because it's like. We have been at war years.
1: against that for years in our in our facebook groups so we got your back <laughs> i mean look, like like i mean i could just say personally like there are people
2: who have like donated money and things to this to see get done that like will not make their money back if they do right period, mm-hmm. like period, like period and if you want if you like the pale door and you want us to be able to make other movies then we need to make that money back on this movie we need to make yep. all this stuff back yep. and so those dollars matter you know, so like, like, look, if you need to, if you need to pirate Mulan, go the fuck, whatever you need to do. <laughs> but these smaller movies like this, like, 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 it, it just matters. It just mm-hmm. matters so much. You know, I mean, at minimum, just wait to 2021 to pirate it. That's it. Like, I mean, do that, you know, but I would say, I would say like, sure. if you happen to live in a place that there's no way you can see it or whatever, maybe just like you privately. I, I get that. I could understand some aspects. Like I want everybody to see the movie. Sure. But But there is a. And it's not greedy. It's not like we're getting rich off this shit. It's like, you know, just for the people that don't get it? You know what I I mean? mean, I mean, you
1: shouldn't have to make it explicit. If you listen to this episode as we released it and you listen to all the work and the coordination and the team and the investment of time and effort that everyone has to put in to make something like this, you got to support it with dollars.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we survived. This is a true list. We survived category five tornadoes, flooding, hail, we had lightning strike our generator. We lost multiple days due to weather. Oh my god! Um,
1: you didn't get frogs from the sky because that was the.
2: <laughs> well, the joke. So there were the joke was that it's like because the shit we did in the church that this was like God being like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Aaron, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. a, you day. Know? Right. But I mean, it was the flooding was so bad, and we had we had to rent all these props and costumes. We had a lot of of era costumes that are mm-hmm. so expensive. So you know, we were literally like digging trenches to like reroute the water like underneath the small town um, that was there. And I, I mean, had the tornadoes not shifted, uh, the whole movie would have just gone under. Um, so you know, so maybe there was a God. That moment, I don't know. Um,
3: <laughs> That's crazy.
2: But yeah, so it was. It was. Um, I mean, and then and then in post, because when COVID hit and we couldn't use all of our vendors and what was happening to kind of like do everything, um, I ended up taking over. I mean, uh, Greg McLennan was my main editor and was like fantastic, but then it was like through the holidays and then going into like, you know, later on when we were finishing the film um, in 2021 or 2020, excuse me, uh, I I was like, well, dude, I need to edit at this time because I can't ask you to keep doing this. Like, you know, you're stuck and it's hard and, you know, he had other work to do. So I was like, I'll just take over. So I started editing like a maniac to the point where I, was sleep- I wasn't sleeping at all. I actually one day just literally passed out woke up like with like blood all over me i had hit my head and passed out due to like sheer exhaustion i had to go to the hospital and get an wow. IV and wow. all this stuff and and it was like yeah you can you can pass out like you can reach this point your body can reach that level of exhaustion to where it just shuts down yep. just completely shuts down and i'm glad it happened because it was like a wake-up call for me to be like i need to wake up <laughs> and sleep you know um but i mean i was averaging probably an hour to t- i mean i would literally only sleep when i rendered out the movie wow. because that would take like two hours to render sure. and i would and i turned the, the the sound of the computer on loud so when it was done rendering it would wake me up and then i would just fall asleep on the couch for That's... you know hour, hour and a half two hours and that was it crazy and and it was and i had to do it because we had to deliver still we had done we had a contract with our distributor and we had to meet deadlines sure and i was like well i can't ask anybody else to do this so i just did it myself so I mean, you know, literal blood, sweat, blood, tears. sweat, tears. <laughs> there it
1: is. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely support this movie. Definitely support.
0: You got, some, you got support. There's a hospital bill involved. We got. We got to get. We got to sell these movies. Uh,
1: Plus you're plus you're also getting joked by God. So we got a double support. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> <laughs> you need some backup here. Gotta protect support. me. Protect me, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, it is amazing. We are looking forward to this. Yes. Recommend anyone who hasn't seen Scare Baggage, you gotta go check Scare Baggage out. Unbelievable. And I and all the things you were referencing here. I'm excited to watch the shorts you were talking about. Not only yours, but um what's his name again? Chris Mac the, Chris yeah yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah, I would recommend uh, so Anthony Cousins did a short called the Bloody Ballad of Squirt Reynolds. That's so fucking funny. So look that up. If you look up him, his name, you'll Sorry find it.
3: Reynolds. Squirt Reynolds. which is
2: It's based on a killer who had like a Burt Reynolds. You'll see. You'll see.
3: Um, so, so good. Buster
2: Scruggs by way of trauma. Okay. Dude. So yeah, I went to Texas Frightmare and uh, I saw his short there with Chris McEnroe. We were just there like hanging out because that's what wow. we do. And we saw his short. And I was like, holy fuck. And we had somebody drop out at the last minute and we needed another segment. And I was like, well, I wanted another segment like with a particular vibe. And I saw it and I was like, this guy's it. And Cameron was there with me. And I was like, I'm gonna offer, let's take this guy to dinner. I'm offering him a fucking scare package segment. Right. You know, and nobody knew what Scare Package was at the time. Sure. You know what I mean? We're creating this idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came in and then, you know, wrote the night. He came back in part four and fucking killed it. But it's so good. But uh, yeah, so Bloody, bloody Battlesquirt Reynolds, he did that, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, mine is not a horror thing. It's called Honor Student. It's more of a drama. Right. Um, but then, uh, uh, and then Chris McEnroy did. Just look up Chris McEnroy shorts. Like, uh, they're on his Vimeo page, but cool. Death Metal.
1: More we'll in the show notes.
2: Yeah, they're so fucking good. History. And uh, yeah, you know, there's a lot of fun there. And then uh, Scare Package, uh, the Blu-ray and DVD and all that comes out October 20th. It'll also be on VOD, like outside of Shutter at that time. Um, And then we also, uh, apologies for the plug, but we do have, we have a store of like all this crazy Scare Package merchandise. That's like insane shit. We've got, so we have, so if you want to buy the Blu-ray from us, uh, we can like sign them and stuff. It's actually less than on Amazon. Just saying. Bigos, you know, you don't have, have to give them to Bigos, not Joe Bigos. <laughs> Bezos. <laughs> Joe Bigos is a good dude. Joe Bezos is different. Um, but you don't have to give the money to Amazon. So if you don't want, you can do that. Perfect. And then, but so we have like the lollipop from the Courtney and Hillary Anderhart segment, like one of the actual lollipops that we like had. Um, we've got bunches of those you can have. We've got. What mic
1: merchandise do you have for me?
2: what uh so we've got well we have so we have a a trading card set that's a vintage trading card set that's like 60 cards and he's got two trading cards in it they have quotes <laughs> and all this and, like, their favorite song and like favorite killer and, oh, that's hilarious. It's, like, they're all like curated and, and the set comes in a like a vhs kind of little box oh that's cool it's they're so fucking cool um, we've got bumper stickers, pins, like just all kinds of shit. Amazing. Like sign- and does it
1: help to find you or the movie or anything like that on social media? Follow?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it definitely does. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm very active on Twitter and uh, Instagram in particular. And cool. so, you know, just say hi. And uh, I, love, I love hearing from people that like the movie. Don't like the movie, don't have to say hi.
0: <laughs> um, Keep that to yourself.
2: The fuckers that retweet me, I get these guys that like retweet me. They're like, they're so like, like I posted about the the DVD or the Blu-ray, and somebody's like, "I fucking hate this movie." I'm Like, well, I'm like, "Thanks for watching."
0: We got your view on Shutter, dude. Suck it.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm like, okay, like
1: you could just post about that separately. You know? <laughs> Like, I don't get yeah because you point. don't do that in life like when someone's driving in a terrible annoying car that I hate and they stop at the stop I don't get out of my car and get in their car you suck and just drive around in their car and be like look at this yeah. car like just leave just, it alone
2: <laughs> wow yeah I mean it's just like and it's an indie film so it's like we're poor and the person lives in the car you know <laughs> right. and it's like and you're just egging their car and it's like I know like,
3: oh, right. like just fucking give me a break God, I know <laughs> right
1: like, well, your really? car's got the Freddy convertible roof, so you'll yeah, be you're fine. You can, that was fun.
2: <laughs> that was fun to do. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> to do. That was another one of those like let you know what kind of movie we're in moments. Yes. You know, like, and, and tell tell the horror fans that like you're in a safe space. Right. You know, like I yep. get you. Yeah. You're
1: know? <laughs> right. And Chad sort of gets you.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, Jeremy <laughs> doesn't know anything about horror films. That's so funny. As the actors like constantly like he would say things. I'm like, nope. And he's like, Aaron, no one's going to notice. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Not <laughs> I notice. Right. This is for diehard horror fans. Like Ryan Turek, um, when he saw the film, was like, he called it uh, from Blumhouse. He's like, this is inside baseball of horror. And I was like, that's exactly what it is. Like, it's, yep. there are jokes that I think land for people outside of it, and that's fine. Sure. But it, the more diehard horror you are, yep. the funnier it is. Like when, when Chase shows up as the Corey Feldman thing, oh, like, man. That is, for the people who are like diehard Friday Thirteen fans and part four and particular totally. fans and all that and get it, they're losing themselves. Yeah. And then other right. people are like, oh, he looks funny. You know, yeah. and it's like – <laughs> well, Right,
1: right, right. It's got to be so weird to not know that reference and see, see that. Like, you, you <laughs> He's very like, committed oh, to the bald thing. <laughs> <laughs> totally I personally – I love the fact that he had – his character – if I remember right, had only ever seen one horror movie, and it was the exact one he needed for that <laughs> for that plan, right? So yeah, he's like, I don't know. The only one I remember is that right? one with Corey Feldman, <laughs> Corey Ham.
0: No, exactly. the Lost Boys,
2: <laughs> and they're confused. <laughs> exactly. That's just me. That's just like stupid. Like, so many. St- i just told so many stupid jokes this movie.
1: But that, I, the sorry. fact that, like, so there's so many where you can do the Freddy Roof visual and just like be in and out of that joke in five seconds. But the Corey Feldman, you have to like. Go well, end to end.
2: <laughs> oh, well, that's a big thing. Like, like when we were writing that, I was like, we had this whole story. I was like, you got to, how are we going to kill the killer? Like, how are they going to escape? Like, how are we going to make mm-hmm. this right. happen? And, and, you know, I was like, well, you know, what always happens, I was like, well, what always happens in horror films is like, you know, Pamela, you know, the, the um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jenny puts on Pamela's, you know, uh, sweater and, yep. you know, Frederick Part 2 and stuff like yep. that. I was like, okay, we could do something like that. And then I was like, well, but I love that like he sees like the wrong, like he does a flashback and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> oh my God, this could be fun. Like, well, what do we do? Like, well, what, what would distract him? And then we were like, well, we had this whole backstory of him like saving this cancer kid or whatever. And I was like, well, you know, cancer kid sounds, this is so insensitive, but like, this is so stupid. I mean, I right? sympathize with anyone. It's a horrible disease. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Okay. Um, right. But I was like, well, the one, they have their head shaved and you know who else has their head shaved? Corey Feldman <laughs> <laughs> at the end of Friday 13, Four. And, and i'm like this could be fucking funny um so we went for it <laughs> i couldn't well, was- i couldn't direct it i could not direct that scene like literally my dp i was like i was laughing so hard when i saw chase in it because chase is like so in, in his short shorts and shit and i couldn't take it and he's just like what's up Aaron? how you doing i'm like i can't do it i can't direct this i'm un- completely unprofessional so i turned to my dp andrew Baird, and i'm like i'm like i'm looking away just tell me when it's over. And then I would watch the playback and so, then I'm like cracking up the whole time. Cause like literally I could they couldn't do
1: a take without my laughter. <laughs> right. Well, no, the way he played it and even the backstory film was hilarious and shouldn't have been. Like I was laughing at the cancer again backstory. I couldn't believe it cut to that. I was like, what am I looking at? <laughs> I was, that was one of those,
2: like, are we going to do this? Are we actually going to do this? And then I was like, fuck. Like, and then it became at that point, the movie had become so absurd. that I was like, Hell yeah, we're going to do it. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. If I you're mean, mean, well, and that's over. that's the
2: same thing with, like, <laughs> I know you were trying to wrap up and get me off of here. But this is what happened. No, no, no. Um, we're totally that's the same, I'm kidding, kind of. But uh, that's the same thing that like we had the ending. And then I had a friend who worked on Alita Battle Angel, Robert Rodriguez's movie. Oh, wow. And uh, he he'd worked on the special effects team. And he's like, hey, dude, I got all these pyrotechnics left from Alita. But I gotta blow shit up. They go bad after a period of time. <laughs> no shit. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Um, I'll figure I'm, it's gonna happen in scare package. I'm blowing shit up in scare <laughs> no shit, it. That's it. Right. I'm blowing shit up. And then we had done the, so we bought this like piece of shit Volkswagen that was uh, Sam's shagging wagon. And uh, <laughs> we had bought that, but then we had gotten so much blood in the car when we did like some of the segments that like we ruined the car. And the person was like, well, you have to buy this car now. I'm like, God, fucking damn it. And then we didn't have enough budget, but we're like, fine. And now I own this piece of shit wagon. That's blood stained. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? It was parked. So the video store Vulcan is parked outside there because mm-hmm. we knew that we were going to like do something with it, but we sure. didn't know what yet. So we put this cover on the car and I was like, Hey, can you, can you leave it outside the video store? Cause like the car barely worked and we had to like tow it and shit and I'm like, I got it there. Can we just leave it there? And uh, they're like, yeah, it's fine. Nobody like, it's a video store. Nobody really comes by, you know? so we were allowed to keep it. But then I guess something happened and the cover got blown off. So two different times. The police got called Thank and like gosh, they're like they investigating the car because they thought a murder took place. <laughs> oh, yeah, in the car. And <laughs> they're like, nope, it was a film. Here's a picture. So like after the first time we had to give them photos so they could show the officers of a of Zoe Graham who plays the final girl like smiling in blood in the middle of the car being like, see, it's happy. It's <laughs>
0: blood. Um, and I have but, an alibi for the film.
1: <laughs> yeah. <but then laughs> so now have- two things are happening here with this story. The first thing is I feel like, police just need an exception for anything that looks like a murder scene directly outside a video store like just don't <laughs> even investigate those because and then second i feel like every if i do murders now i need to get someone to pose in the murder with a smile and then i'll just do like a film, it's totally fine film except <laughs> they, yeah. you know, they were happy to be there yeah were are happy to be there
2: kind of like the jack the house that jack built kind of shit but um oh yeah yeah um there's uh or like american psycho i guess he kind of does that but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 a plus. But yeah, then then and I had this fucking car. I'm like, well, I don't want I fuck this car. You know, I don't want it. Right. And I had these you know explosives. So then that when I was like, well, let's let's like tie this back in and do like one more kind of like wake up. You know, from her in the car because I'm like, mm-hmm. whatever. You know, it's fun. Right. Um, it's that's a trope in itself. Yep. and and also like how the fuck does he get in the back seat of the car like right but but that happens like you know the person sitting up in the back seat of a car happens all the fuck. Mm-hmm. it's so weird of all the crazy things that happen in this movie the amount of times you're like but i don't understand how he got in the back seat of the car and i'm like have you watched the rest of this movie? Like that's where you bump. Right. That's
3: where I lost you. Like
2: I mean, at least I got to the end and then lost you. But that's a right. right, You know, but then, and then we practically got to blow up the fucking car, which is know? amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and and we only had one take. Obviously, you know what right. it is. And John and, and John Michael, his character, like Mike. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you are so happy. So you're gonna hear, you're gonna feel a ton of fucking heat. This is gonna yep. be a hot as fuck thing. It's yep. gonna startle you. Yeah. It's going to kind of be there, but, like, you just got to be ear-to-ear grinning. And then at one point, like, look over and be like, aren't you loving this? And, right. like, she's not getting it. Right. But then Zoe, um, who Kelly's character, like, she actually – her shoe fell off when she's running. And if you watch her running, her shoe falls off, and it's, like, not good terrain. And she's like, I know I can't stop, and I got to go because this is one take. <laughs> so, like, bless her
0: heart um, for going oh through that God. and doing it. You need motivation explosions yeah. is, is a great.
1: <laughs> she tracks her <laughs> to get there. Well, again, we know that that I'm, a, I'm in Mike's corner, but man, he pulled that off because that grin, like that running enthusiastic grin, was just so, so. it's so great. It's so perfect. It's so good, and and and, and you know, I remember we interviewed what John Campiano is from Pet Cemetery documentary, yes. Unearthed and Old Told, and he had this. He was telling us the amazing story about when they when they blow up the Pet cemetery house and how close the, the actual cast and a lot of the crew were to it and the heat was affecting the performance and all that. Like, it's not easy to be close no, to that. can't be. <laughs> <It's> like,
0: <laughs> you're blowing up a car. I don't road. imagine on actor's resume, it's like, have you dealt with explosions <laughs> behind your back? Right, Probably are you well, like, them?
2: You have to like face, you don't want to turn around to it. And like you, and I, I didn't want like a big reaction to it. You know what I mean? And, right, right. So, and also you're, you're ramping um, the the speed of the film. So, so the slow motion is not like in post slow motion, like we're shooting in that way. So it exaggerates their motions and stuff. Sure. So you just have to be so cognizant of that, of like what the actor has to do. So just to kind of make it work. But I, I will say for what it's worth, if, um, if enough people keep watching Scare Package, and, and by the, they could also, if you don't like it, you could put it on shutter before you go to bed. Let it play overnight. That's fine too. <laughs> um, I'm fine with that. that works yeah, no, total,
3: total, totally. totally works. That's, oh, that's awesome. Totally works. Um,
2: but uh, but either way, if we can get you know this, then then I have and Cameron, we have a fucking insane sequel oh. idea that is dials everything to an eleven, and it opens on Radshaw's funeral. <laughs> and, and all the characters that are like from like the first film all of them get there and like, and Zoe and John Michael are there and they're now maybe dating, but she doesn't really like them. And That's they're right. at the funeral. And it's, um, I can't say, well, I'll say, I'll say a little more. Um, and then the idea is that all of a sudden, like a, a, a TV kind of wheels out. And it's him like giving like his like, you know, uh, beyond the grave kind of like, you know, uh, uh, what, what is it oh. called? His will. He's talking about his will yeah. and everything. Oh, and the, and he's like talking about horror or whatever. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> gas comes in the room and they all get knocked out. And I'll stop from oh, God, I
0: can't, I can't <laughs> even. It's so crazy. And I'm going to have Shudder on all She's the TVs master. just fucking. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Well, this, I mean, it has to, it has to happen. The, the fact that you, you had even said this to me, the fact that like Scare Package was the breaking format of Last Drive. Of, 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 of oh yeah. Of the it Ops. totally changed the, the format of the Last drive Right. Like, I mean, just for that fact alone, it's already horror historical. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You can't just drop this here. We got to go. Well, and we're,
2: and, and, and I was so, so happy that, that John was cool with it. Um, John Bloom, Joe Bob was cool with it because I was like, can we put the Last drive an episode on the Blu-ray? You know, I, I knew it wouldn't yeah. fit on the DVD because we couldn't double disc, but I was like, we could fit it on the Blu-ray. And uh, we came up with a, we had to be strategic on how to fit it, but we found, because we have I have so many special features. So we had to find a way to, to do that. And and because that had never happened, you know, like normally these are old movies that have existed for a long time, or even if they're newer films like Mayhem recently or Girl Walks Home Alone at Night or whatever, those have yep. still already been released. Yep. So I was like, yeah. for this to do this and have the, we could, we could be really unique. And, uh, and, and, you know, and again, John was just so cool. And just we had such a great experience. And he's such a nice guy and was cool with that. And Shutter was cool. And RLJE, who's like, part of AMC, it's really AMC, kind of AMC owns all this, you know, and they were all cool. And, uh, and it's so it's, it's amazing that like that gets to be on there. And I think it's just a
1: really and it was a magical season for Joe Bob himself. I mean, between Scare yeah. Package and Hoxzilla and all this, like, it was an emotional season, I felt like. It was a really, it, yeah. it, was, a, it was a great moment for Scare Package to surface yeah. into, into that. Like, it's
0: really cool. It, really, it made me feel like I was in middle school. Like, we rented, like, the best horror movie that we could find. <laughs> <laughs> like, that feeling you get was what I had watching. Well, you
1: don't know this because we didn't tell you, but we, so we were watching Last Drive-In, uh, w- when we could, we were catching it in real time together. We lived close and our significant others uh work together so like we see each other a lot and and so you know i was over here and it was one of the few we caught live and it was literally like an electric moment when you realized you're watching something you do because that it just never happened we didn't even know what to expect with the, yeah. with the presenta- with Joe Bob's presentation, which I thought was really cool.
2: <laughs> no, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, Friday, June 12th, I will never forget, you know, I mean, I'll never forget yep. it because it was just such a, I mean, I knew we were going to be on the show, right? You know, right, like, we course. know that. They are tape shows, you know, right. they, they pretend, they do a good job of playing it up, he's playing a character, you know, yep. and, totally. uh, but we couldn't tell anybody. So only the filmmakers knew, a couple cast members knew, but for the most part, no one knew so and, and june 18th was going to be the release so people knew that we were going to be on shutter a week mm-hmm. later but it was like this thing and and i when when i was talking with shutter i was like look we were originally going to be on the final episode and i was like well and that was gonna be the 19th and i was like mm-hmm. guys like there's something that could be so special if we did a world premiere and i talked to john about it and he's like this is he's like that's what he wanted to do too and at the time, we were going to pair with Adam Green's Hatchet, which is actually what's going to play in like a couple days mm-hmm. um, for the summer thing. But then they moved that to a summer special because they got Hogzilla and it became this like, great thing to do like Joe Bob in two movies, you know, kind of yep. thing. Mm-hmm. But, but also with my publicist and stuff, I was like, don't tell anybody Joe Bob's in this. Like, let nobody right. know because it'll be such a fun experience. Right. And so he played it up. But the night that that happened, I mean, we already talked about, you know, says check it out, I'm fucking crying and shit. But so my phone, my tw- the Twitter app my phone crashed. Wow. My phone went nuts. My phone died from just like everybody like, what the fuck is going on? Because <laughs> you, have to, you have to understand like this movie, people had known we were making it for so long. And it was just like, we tried to kind of keep a lot of things on the down low until the trailer kind of released. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we try to keep everything on the download for a long time just to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just another anthology, and just like let it play and kind of play it down, and we yeah. don't have a lot of money or whatever. But like, we kind of knew because I mean, look, it's it's like myself and like Alex Uning and Cameron. Like we we like loved it. We like really enjoyed it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I think this is fucking fun.
1: And you're your own think, target audience, so you knew. Yeah.
2: So I'm like, if I'm enjoying it, and and, and you know, part of it too is because I didn't write all of them. You know, so I right. like when I, the stuff that I made, I still see. It seems that's harder for me, but but there are still like, like, you know, McGuffin McMuffin. I'm like, fuck yeah, I love it, I don't care. <laughs> you know, there's those things that happen, but uh, it was, you know, it just, I was like, I really think this could be kind of special. And then the few critics who had seen it were like, guys, this is really good. <sighs> like, this is, this is there. So we wanted to keep it like kind of subdued. So that way when it happened, it became this like really fun experience. Cause what, what I had noticed is that as we had played in some festivals, like we had a world premiere that was at Citrus in Spain and the first night there were a ton of people there because everybody goes to all the screenings and it's like, you know, I was like, whoa, this is pretty amazing. And I was kind of blown away. And we had this amazing crowd response. People just laugh. I mean, even though, although Joe Bob, they don't know who Joe Bob is in Spain. So like they didn't get it. <laughs> so like, that was like a couple claps, you know, whatever, <laughs> uh, but I'm like, okay, all right, fine. I'm like, well, wow. we put a lot into that. I hope that works. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, but, but then that the second night I have a video of the line there was a line wrapped around the building. We had to turn away people. There were like 700 people there. we turned away over like a hundred people. It wow. was insane. It sold out. And then and then we had our first, we had his first really big review on Slash Film. And they were just like, this is a new cult hit, Midnight Favorite, all this stuff. And I'm like, uh, guys, I think this is a <laughs> movie like, <laughs> might be something. Like, I don't know. You so, know. Cool. so it was like a really, really crazy thing. But still, even that, we still tried to like keep it on the download, like like nah, right. like like nah, it's it's so small, it's not anything, and it is so small. But I was like, let's uh, let people just experience. It. Let's see if we can recreate that theatrical experience and do it with Joe Bob and then Shutter like rearrange stuff for us. I mean, they're just Shutter's so fucking amazing. If you don't have a Shutter, if you don't have a Shutter subscription, I get nothing for saying this by the way. If you don't have a Shutter subscription and you like horror, you're doing everything wrong. You are failing yeah. in life because it's it's so great. And also, they help out. So many filmmakers. Yeah, they give voices and platforms to films that never would, because this movie maybe would release somewhere else, and we get a little bit of release. But it's perfect for Shutter. Yeah, like it's just perfect for Shudder. Well, that,
1: and it's a compliment to Shutter that is perfect for Shutter as well, because they've really created something. Very special now like when we basically this podcast started when shutter launched. Yeah, and I remember because the social media like that was a thing that I was I was trying to put together for us and I was like, What is a really good example and it was hard to find something that was a good example at that time and I remember messaging you and being like this thing called shutter.
0: Haven't heard of this, but man, I remember doing... the ad. It was that right. vampire woman. How oh, do you shudder? And right. then it would cut to like right. a bunch of other
1: stuff. And then it felt like, like it felt like it, they weren't establishing an identity. But that wasn't a surprise because that's so rare. Almost no one ever does, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how long did it take Fangoria to become Fangoria? Like, so, so then, but then they've established this identity, and it's yeah, it's really it's really impressive. Like, I oh yeah, know. and they're they're fucking summer, like. Take scare package out of the mix,
2: but like host beach house. La La Lorna, by the way, is mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, so, so like I that just me. came out. Like it's like there's just so so much good shit. And then and then the, and then at the end of the year, you can slum it with the Pale Door and just right.
1: Um, and even backwards, <laughs> I remember like when every time we every time we at the end of the year try to recap the year or whatever, inevitably. Like I forget what year it was. Revenge was one of my top. Oh, three. Revenge! Like, like the, movie. I mean, they've done some amazing stuff. So that's yeah, it, it's, it's a really. In, but I actually like the the fact that you've had the the patience, and sort of savvy to downplay the movie even as you were getting exciting excited about it. I feel like it particularly matches scare package because that harks from the era where a movie could surprise you because we didn't have the internet. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, right. the fact that this was downplayed and then all of a sudden it just exploded out as a new release on Shudder, like, it's.
0: it's you kind of got that same high. Yeah, like,
2: exactly. Was,
0: ooh, this is great.
1: It was perfect for this kind of movie. Right. Well, that's,
2: that's, that's, oh, that's that. awesome. I would say if we end up doing the sequel, it'll be the opposite. But it's hype, hype, hype. He's like, like a, everywhere. No, yeah. <laughs> right. well, no, no, no. I mean, I, I think every movie's kind of. Well, because if you're going to do a sequel to Scare Package you and you're making fun of horror tropes, what what happens in horror sequels? Right. You go bigger, crazier, and more absurd, and like totally. all of this. And the I marketing I, is way over the top. I'll tell time. you off the air what the title is for this. I go oh,
1: cool. I can't. Well, we got, <laughs> we got to finish. Okay. So great talking to you. Follow, <laughs> you. follow him on <laughs> yeah. social media. Peace. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> let, put shutter on all your screens and just let it play. <laughs> and,
0: like, and, and then pay for the pale door. And pay up, Do not. I, that would mean a lot.
2: It seriously would. I mean, it is. It is. I mean, like, like literally, I put in. At one point, we lost some of our financing in the movie while we were shooting it. It's how crazy things happen. Right. I personally put in every penny that I had
0: into the movie. Yeah. And people I don't have so. an excuse. Movie theaters have been closed for months. We know you've been storing up that money, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and
3: well,
1: and you've been, and you're making it in a, in a in a in a once in a lifetime transition moment for movie making in general. Like that, yeah. also yeah. is it Im- g- got to be an impossibly difficult challenge to add to all the other challenges of, of making things like these, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, it's... The la- last thing before we wrap, I- I'm just curious, like, what what from a filmmaker point of view, w- what do you see out for the next couple of years from the impact of this? Like, is it, is it a lasting impact? Is it something that kind of fades next year?
2: Maybe? No, I mean, well, I-, I think we're living in a completely new world. I think, I mean, look, the theatrical windows are changing every day right now. Mm -hmm. And and what we've learned is that this PVOD, this premium VOD option, is extremely viable. We've also learned that drive-ins are here to stay. That's amazing because I think there's a lot of people who did not know they go to drive like I didn't even know these existed. I didn't even know they're like the people we were talking about who don't even know that VHS was a thing. It's the same thing with drive-ins, and they're like, this is kind of cool. I don't have to deal with yeah the people that are talking that are annoying the theater that person's in your car. You're like, shut the fuck up. You're in my own car. Right. You know I mean? <laughs> right. That's a, that's a different thing. So it, it's, and look, you're not going to get the sound and the quality is not going to be where it mm-hmm. needs to be. and you know, that, but that's okay. And the communal
1: like, experience you lose. Like some of my favorite yeah. memories of theater going is watching. I watched the. I watched an, an entire group of, of adults, of, of human adults, watch gone girl. And that movie ended and the credits rolled, And I just watched like a hundred people turn to each other and be like, I need a shower <laughs> and it was one oh, of my I, favorite things that ever happened. Like,
2: oh, I have, I have two experiences. Like, well, <laughs> I'll say one type of scare package. So we played at Telluride, um, the Telluride horror show mm-hmm. and Joe Bob was there just kind of doing his like, uh, you know, redneck save Hollywood kind of bit that he was doing mm-hmm. the tour for. And nobody knew that Joe Bob was in scare package. So we had a sold out screening or, or pretty close had a lot of people that were there. There was a balcony there that was closed. And it's cause it's kind of, kind of way up there and we put Joe Bob and, uh, and Diana up there and kind of had them kind of hide out. And they were watching the movie and a couple of people I think saw it, like, oh, Joe Bob's watching this, that's kind of cool. There were, and as I'm waiting, as people are coming in, I'm looking at people wearing Joe Bob t-shirts and I'm like, you're gonna have fun, you know? <laughs> and so when that moment happened and he comes out, it happened in two places there and then also Nightmares Fest was a similar situation people like literally jumped out of their seats and they were just like
3: what the fuck like what
2: is going on and it just like the energy it was just so amazing and i'm sitting in like the second row and i'm just like here we go here we go
3: here here
1: we go what a feeling and it was the best
2: it was the best and then but i will say i have another a a very different kind of theatrical experience so i I talk about fantastic fest a lot it's this amazing festival in austin Mm -hmm. and the world premiere of a little action movie that nobody had heard of. Literally the guy who ran the festival, he was talking to me, I was like, I don't know what to see. And he's like, well, there's this other little action film. You should go check it out. I haven't seen it though. Like none of us have seen it. Um, we basically just programmed it because Keanu Reeves is in it. And we're like, okay, cool. Oh, no. <laughs> so we go over there and I'm like, well, and I was like, I was like is Keanu here? And they're like, yeah, Keanu's here. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Then I'm gonna go and that's gonna be cool. I sat in the front row and we watched John Wick. <laughs> and that movie, like, and no, no one had any clue. And like that movie, it happened. And I remember turning around, and we're like,
3: "What the fuck is this? Thing? Like, what
2: is this?" And then it got, and then Lionsgate. Some of the reps from Lionsgate were there, and they're like, uh, "Holy shit, we have something." They pulled it so they couldn't show it again because they didn't want anybody else to see it. They're like, "Never right. mind, we've got a hit." And that Q and A. And I have, I still have a picture from, I saved it on my phone. I've saved it, like, in the favorites of my role because it was so, uh, I'm like, this is fucking insane. Like, <laughs> because, like, just the the head tap, the kid, like, I was, like, blown away by John Wick in person. Yeah. And it's so much fun. So, like, that was just one of those, like, I idea. No, and then uh, Green Room. When I saw Green Room the first time, uh-huh. that was a movie, too, that I was like, whoa, I'm seeing a next level. And I knew, I, I Sonier, kind of know Jeremy Sonnier kind of. You know, vaguely. Um, I know, making a little bit better. Um, one of the stars. Mm-hmm. I had seen Blue Room I knew how good Blue Room was. So I knew it would be good, but Green Room, fucking not. We did out. a whole episode
1: on Green Room because I'm I'm obsessed with um, I'm a, not just character actors, but I'm obsessed with the idea that that a line delivery can just echo like through forever, through infinity. <laughs> like, are like, you going to say? The, can I interrupt the,
2: you? Because I'm going to guess what line you're going to say. Is scary, your line scary night? Yeah, I was going to say you were. It's funny. You were so much scarier at night.
1: Yes, that's (laughs) the line I was gonna say. (laughs) It's, but it's, it's not just how genius the line is, and how genius the entire movie is, just the prelude to the delivery of the line, but also the way, the cadence, the delivery of the how he says the line. It's just and the look
2: on Patrick Stewart. It's the acting too. It's his look and the realization of like I am this old feeble man. Yep. And and I don't have this, like, army behind me of red laces and what that means. Right. And it's so – and also, it's a per, It's just, like, a perfect analogy to how we can counter hate. Mm-hmm. And that hate exists, and you can stand up to it. And it's so scary, and these people are there, but we are more than them. And these right. people that want to do this shit, we are more than them. We can overtake them. This can't happen. And you have to stand up to them. And don't be afraid of what is it doing. And there's just something – Um, And I will say my fate, I mean, that, that, so I talk about that part. I I I think that should be talked about in screenwriting classes about what that line means and how it does that. Mm -hmm. And then, and then also how the pay the setup and payoff of the desert Island band stuff. And like, what happens with that? I think it's just also so genius and why they end on that. Yeah. But My favorite moment in the entire film is there's the man who has the attack dogs and the one gets loose because the, you know, the speakers go off and it's like, and it's running and they keep, and, and God, Jeremy's just like, I look up to him as a filmmaker so much because he's just so great at the way he paces this. And you're like, have all this crazy shit going on? You cut, and there's a dog that's going yeah. and you're not thinking anything of it. And you cut dog that's going. And you're, that's like slowly happening in the background. And then at the very end, this whole culmination and that, and the, you know, the dog owner, you know, dies yep. and he's laying there. And then this dog this vicious fucking attack dog that can kill you. That's yeah. all this comes and just lays down yeah. on his neck. And it's this perfect analogy of how hate is learned and taught. And this dog is is a killer. And these people that are being so hateful, like that you've seen in the movie that are about these right wing, completely crazy, like, oh, oh when I say right wing, I mean like, you know, overtly far right, you know. Mm-hmm. Supremacist kind of Supremacist yep, yep. side, yeah. Sorry, not like painting in a broad stroke there. But um, in that level, and you you look at where that is and it's like that level of hate is taught. Yep. That dog was taught to be a killer, but in his core, he just wants to lay down because all he wants to do is love the person who taught him that. Right. He's learned this and all he wants to do is show that. And that is fucking perfect filmmaking.
1: Yep.
2: And I'm chasing- And the,
1: the, and the person that. being killed, it's like they pulled the dog's hate battery out. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Like that, which is just this amazing moment of- And the whole film is filled with- Those moments, that showdown in the drug-like basement, kind of just the way all that plays out, is is pitch perfect in Evelyn. it's just so incredible good. it's just an incredible film so yeah i mean we we did an entire episode on it because it was blew my mind so when we're, oh my god when we first saw it and well, that's not even talking talk- about the music and all that
2: oh yeah there's so much if you ever um if there's a if you ever want to do a paul thomas anderson film and you want to have me on i'll come and talk PTA oh, with you anytime so it is on he's one Let of my we'll put it, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put it in the books
0: <laughs> yeah. it's amazing
1: all right well thank you for joining us this is an amazing Go check yeah, out everything he does. I know. <laughs> I'm so excited. All right, thank <laughs>
0: so, you so much. All right. I hope you boils and ghouls enjoyed that interview as much as we had talking to him. Make sure to go check out the show notes uh, for some more short horror films. And check out the Scare Package merch. They got some really cool stuff in there. And the Blu-ray will be coming out later in October. And if you can buy it straight from them, you absolutely should. And if you love Scare Package as much as we did, let us know with an iTunes review. You know, you know the drill. You know the drill. We always end these on the iTunes review. And until next time, stay scary, watch a bunch of horror movies. Bye, guys.